I would say the word refreshing comes to mind on this Friday morning for myself, Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton sitting in the co-host chair today. No issues with a headset at 6.59? No. Uh, no issues scrambling for password logins? Uh, no complaining about printers not working? Uh, ready to go? Yep. I was here early. Locked in. Mark Dykton prepared to educate and entertain. And at times, I think the person that usually sits in that chair maybe is a slow starter. Particularly now, on Friday mornings. Now, there might be something in the chair that will change. Like, by 8 o'clock, I might do, like, a, a Jekyll and Hyde situation. <laughs> but for now, so yeah. far, so good. Yeah, something about that seat that just all of a sudden yeah. leads you to. I'll start asking, like, does the sun rise in the day while you guys are on the air? You know, pray for the 930 segments on Fridays. That's typically where I'm at. Good Friday morning to you. Jake Query is, I believe, en route to, was it Baton Rouge? Baton Rouge. Well, they were landing in. New Orleans, which okay. they did, and then, yeah, I believe the trek was starting in Baton Rouge. Right. Um, he would definitely want a friend drop early in the show. So Mike Byron and him uh, heading up to Baton Rouge, Oxford, Mississippi tomorrow for Old Miss and Auburn, and then back to Indianapolis. Jake will be with us on Monday, but it will be myself and Mark Dykton and Sam Fritz on the ones and twos. Sam, good Friday morning to you, and thank you for filling in. Thank you for having me. It's uh, This is always my favorite time of day to be up Six in the morning, well, seven in the morning, an hour's passed already. Good to hear Sam is lying on this Friday morning <laughs> to you. Uh, Mark, I thought that my eyes had finally kind of scabbed up from uh-huh. last Thursday night. I was good. I was back to normal health, no eye bleeding. I, you know, Before the Thursday night game started last night, I was kind of looking in the mirror, uh, you know, making sure everything looked okay. And sure enough, um, <clears throat> I think after they both – traded punts to start the game they started to bleed again and they didn't stop and now here i am feeling the same way as i felt last friday well i mean i put my my very little reputation on the line that a touchdown will be scored and i'm not gonna lie i sweated for a while it's oh my god (laughs) you did hey that was a hell of a throw by justin fields yeah that's the thing is it's very inconsistent though you see those throws because people are asking me are are you giving up on fields I'm like, well no it's been 16 games and he's had a regime change and and all that but yeah you see throws like that you're like okay it's there and then you see guys like on third and three where there's an oh, easy check gosh. down on a cross. That was, and instead he's going for the deep bomb. And it's like, come on, man. That was painful. And Herb Street illustrated that. Oh, boy, that was tough to watch. And then the end of game situation, I, I did not understand. And by the way, the toughness Justin Fields showed throughout that game. I mean, I, I was just waiting for him to be called. There was like five hits where I'm like, is he going to get up? Because the, right at the end of the half, he was getting knocked down and just staying down for. Like, like seconds at a time. Kaylee Hartung starts the third quarter sideline report, and she's like, yep, yeah, talk to Matt Eberflus. No treatment for Justin Fields at halftime. I'm like, wait, what? I'm shocked that he's frankly back out here. And then again, to end the game, Mark, I just felt like once they got into that goal-to-go situation, two things. One, I thought even without a timeout, I thought they could have ran one. Yeah. Like with mm-hmm. Montgomery, not even saying Fields, but more than anything – I felt like getting fields on the perimeter, some read option, utilizing his legs. I didn't think they were going to score a normal touchdown. You know, I felt the like Bears it had to do. be a little Houdini-like, a yeah. little off script. And, uh, boy, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. No, I mean, it didn't help because you held you held Wentz. I mean, Wentz didn't even crack 100 yards passing. Oh, Wentz is so And bad. basically, I think, the I mean, Valus Jones botching that punt, you kind of gifted Washington yeah, the win there. Yeah. I mean, the Washington Commanders did nothing special to 
that indicated that they were going to win that game on their own. So the Bears kind of gifted them that one. But then five, or three trips inside the five-yard line, you get zero points. That's just unacceptable. Um, one helmet tip that you know gets picked off, and then just a four, failed fourth and goal attempt, and all this other stuff. So typical Bears on prime time. Uh, Carson your, Wentz, the Thursday night killer. Your eyes will bleed again a week from Monday because they're on Monday Night Football with the Patriots. So enjoy that double dose of Bears in prime time. Why the NFL continues to do that, I don't know. So I'm sorry, America, but and then get next, used to it. Next week we get Cardinals Saints. Okay, there should be a lot of football. touchdowns scored in that one. I, I would think a few more. Um, do we consider last night better than Colts Broncos? I was trying to think about that because less there, points, but you had two touchdowns. There were two touchdowns, but less points scored, which kind of is crazy to think about. But and you had a touchdown, and not to make light of the situation, but you had a touchdown by a guy who got shot a month and a half ago. I mean, yeah, so wild story, Brian Robinson. Uh, being the starting running back last night for Washington, and that I, was the lone TD. I feel like you had more flash plays in last night's game, like Justin Fields, a couple of big runs. That big run by Khalil Herbert was nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were those. Both games, though, came down to the last play, if you want to play that devil's advocate. Sure, right. If you're going to stay up and the eyes will bleed until the wee hours of, I guess, early Friday morning. So 12-7 last night, Commanders over Mark's Bears. I lost a lot of money. Last and if night. you are a Colts fan, I would say, boy, I just, I, I know I texted you for a same game parlay. I was like, dude, I got to stay away from this. Yeah, I it, wish it, I did. It was just I, <laughs> you asked for a parlay, and I gave it to my. I, I don't feel great about it, but and I resisted the urge, so I'm very proud of myself on this Friday morning. Granted, if I just would have hammered the under 37 times, I could have made a good amount of money. We'll play some Ron Rivera audio coming up. Um, shocking, we've played Ron Rivera audio now twice this week, but. He stormed off the postgame presser last night defending Carson Wentz. Um, I'm kind of two ways with the Wentz thing, Mark. They win. You want them to stay somewhat close to relevant if you're a Colts fan, so you're happy about that. But Wentz looked to get banged up again throughout that game, holding the right hand, having it in the warmer a ton. We know about the right shoulder injury. Then he got his ankle. He got his ankle wrapped too. Did, Did you see it? They took a timeout and they said during the timeout and they showed Carson Wentz laying on the field and they're taping his ankle oh, I because that he one. he went to run and when he went to plant he put all his weight on his ankle and it bent sideways and, and so he he's just block on Roquan Smith. I'm like, I'm yeah. probably a little bit more in the is this dude going to last 17 games injury wise? Yeah, he took a lot of beatings last night too with him right now, so we can get into that uh a massive one for the indianapolis colts this sunday i saw the line ticked back up to minus two and i think mark that is due to the tone we had yesterday in that the injury report is not as bad as it looks no definitely cleared up since uh since Wednesday. much better looking injury report yesterday as we said on thursday's show quitty pay and shaquille leonard those are the two that i am ruling out here on this friday morning Naheem Hines would be the other one, I think, to keep an eye on. Tyquan Lewis and him are both trying to progress through the concussion protocol. Tyquan Lewis was full yesterday. Naheem Hines was limited. So I still think Hines is a little iffy. He's got more steps to clear in the concussion protocol for Sunday. Tyquan Lewis looks to be ahead of him. But Jonathan Taylor got back to practice in a limited fashion. Ryan Kelly back to practice in a limited fashion. Julian Blackman was full. Um, so, again, outside of Pay and Leonard, I, I feel like the Colts could be pretty close to full health for Sunday. 
That's what it looks like. And, I mean, if, as long as you get Jonathan Taylor back, because if you – the fact that Jonathan Taylor practiced in, even in a limited fashion, that's that's a positive step in the right direction because if he can't go and Naheem Hines is banged up, that's a questionable uh, running back group you got going. Deion Jackson, baby. Yeah. And then the Jaguars, pretty healthy on their end. I mean, oh, they had gosh. a couple guys that were All limited. All three guys have practiced each of the last two days. For yeah, they got, they've got they got nothing standing out of any concern heading into Sunday. So Colts need to get right today. I guess we'll see what happens in the final practice session, and hopefully everybody's good to go. I think as long as Taylor and Kelly came out of yesterday's practice without any setbacks, I would expect both those guys to play. So and Leonard and Pay are the only ones Leonard who are ruling and Pay. out. Leonard, again, mm-hmm. dealing with a broken nose, concussion in the back. And Quiddy Pay, it looks like he's like rocking like a sleeve and kind of like one of those small brace cast things on his ankle. So I think it's still a bit of a week to week evaluation on that front. Um, did you say you watched Miracle earlier this week? Or last imagine, last weekend, yeah. I almost feel like, and this is very anti Frank Reich. I almost feel like that locker room is needing a Herb Brooks type of reaction to mm-hmm. Sunday's outing. Again, I, isn't like time is now something like that? Something like that. Now yeah. again, that's an underdog role. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Colts are not an underdog, but when you look closer at these numbers, Mark, it is utterly embarrassing how the Colts have faced in the AFC South in the last four games. They've been a favorite in all four of them. They haven't won any of them. And now you have Jacksonville coming into your building. You know the last time, anybody want to guess the last time the Jacksonville Jaguars won a road AFC South game? Boy. I mean, the fact that I'm asking the question, you you probably are going to infer that it's been a while. I was going to say, has it been more recent than the Colts winning a division game? The Colts, if they lose on Sunday, that'll be five straight without a win in the division. That'd be the longest in franchise history. Anyone want to take a stab the last time the Jags left Nashville, Houston, or Indianapolis victorious? Yeah, I don't know. It wouldn't have been the last year when they were in Indianapolis because aren't we, what, 0-8 in our last games against them? This series is whoever plays at home. Okay. Ten straight wins to the home team. Jacksonville has lost nine straight to Houston. You've got to go back to December 2017 for the last time Jacksonville won a road AFC South game. You cannot lose this. Cannot lose it. I feel like like we've been saying that. I I know, Mark, and and (laughs) I, I get it. The spreads, too. But it is so pathetic how poorly the Colts continue to play in the division. It, like, you and I are probably a little bit more than Jake on the we pay attention to the Vegas lines. Mm-hmm. If you look at these matchups, you go back to last year when all this started in the final game of the season. Favored by 15 points, lost by 15 to Jacksonville. Week one this year, favored by seven, tied with Houston. Week two in Jacksonville, favored by three, lost by 24. And then two weeks ago with Tennessee, favored by three and a half, lost by seven. So if you added up like all of that, if you just said the Colts push in all those games, Uh the actual result based off what Vegas thought, Mark, is a negative 78 (laughs) margin. Oh, my God. 78 and a half if we want to get technical. That's a... 
That's wild. It's not like you're losing on a field goal. Right. It's not like you are an underdog in these games and you're losing these games. You are favored by sometimes a touchdown or more. And again, particularly in the Jacksonville matchups, you are getting dominated. You're getting your doors blown off. It's so like you in fantasy last week. Oh, God. Let's not lead to Eddie calling in here early in this <laughs> Friday morning. So that's – I don't know. You know, Is that out of character for Frank Reich to go all – but at some point, you have just got to be so infuriated with how this division is. Look, we're going to have Joe Wrights on here at the bottom of the hour, and obviously a lot of offensive line talk with Joe. But, Mark, I think back to the Joe Wrights, you know, when, when he played for the Colts, they won 16 straight AFC South games. Yeah, it was never a question who never the a question. superior team in the AFC South was. And now it's you're struggling to be competitive. Yeah. You needed seven uh, overcome a seventeen point deficit just to tie the Texans to start the season. You you've lost to the Jaguars. You got shut out in an embarrassing fashion in week two, and then you got housed in the uh, in your home open or in your home game against the Titans just a couple weeks earlier. Is it the Trevor Lawrence effect? Trevor Lawrence steps Gosh, up man. when he plays the Colts. He's got say. no no interceptions. Uh, his two best completion percentage games of his career against Indianapolis. I think it's two of his top three. Passer rating games of his career against Indy. Uh, now, granted, both of those have been in Jacksonville, so we'll see. Last year, he did not; he was not as you know efficient as he was here in Indy. But that opening drive on Sunday, to me, that's going to set the tone. You know, Lawrence has settled in with perfect opening drives in each of the last two meetings. If the Colts continue to allow a lack of resistance with that, give him some confidence early. They're just asking. For that recipe. So again, Joe Wright's at 7:30. Want to get his thoughts on this offensive line situation? What he would do? I think he's the perfect person to talk to on, you know, what a guy like Matt Pryor is going through. Um, his thoughts on Braden Smith moving to right guard. What he would do with Bernard Ryman. I want to know his thoughts throw. on Dennis Kelly. Dennis Kelly as well. What's going on there? Um, we'll throw a lot of that at Joe Wright's tonight. The Pacers preseason finale. Um. Benedict Matherin is second in the NBA in rookie scoring in the preseason. The Rockets have the first rookie. He was a guy that I was liking in this draft process, Tari Eason out of LSU. He was one of those guys that I felt like if the Pacers would have gotten that Cleveland pick, Mm -hmm. he would have been nice to. He would have been a nice comeback. Try and nab in kind of that middle of the first round. Yeah, I mean, I. So are you saying you'd like to see them build on their uh, performance earlier this week, put a nice stamp on on the preseason, and then get ready for the uh, the regular season tip-off? I believe, yes. Let's get, you know, maybe if Benedict Matherin wants to do something again tonight that we can start, you know, putting together the arm on the statue or, you know, his other leg on the statue. Uh, that would be well served. Something about Matherin, Mark, that I did want to mention, we didn't really touch on it yesterday. He has not shot it well from the perimeter. In the preseason, I want to say he's like two of nine. Not worried about that because this is a guy that was nearly 40% in summer league from three. He was nearly 40% at Arizona from three. And I think if you talk to a lot of people, they look at, as long as your free throw shooting is at a pretty respectable level, they feel like that jump shot will be there over time. I think in the preseason, he's like 19 to 21 from the line. Mm. So I feel like... The three-point shot, which, again, he hasn't really shot a ton of it in the preseason. When he, when he has, I think it's like 25%. I do feel like that'll be there because that was probably more than the driving, to be honest with you. That was probably one of the more consistent things he showed 
in college or even in the summer league. Yeah, I'm not too worried about that heading in, you know, preseason is preseason. We'll see what happens when the games start to count. I think he'll have a little, maybe, maybe it's part of his game he doesn't think he needs to work on in the preseason. So he's like, ah, if it's there, I'll take it. If it's not, no big deal. We'll, we'll hammer it out. So uh, I would like to see more Benedict Matherin improvement. That would be great. I have a financial stake. Not to the degree did, that you do in the 30 games. but Did you rock the rookie of the year one? Uh, not yet, but okay. I, I think I'm going to before the odds drop again because apparently they're at plus 1,200. They, they've dropped after his performance earlier this week down to like 800. So those odds are dropping. So especially with Chet Holmgren out, I think it, you could pounce on some Benedict Matherin rookie of the year odds if you'd like to before they start dipping. I feel bad for my Mariners. Do you? I, Jordan I, Alvarez did it again to I you? I feel like... I told you they're a year or two away. I, I feel like what Jordan Alvarez is doing to Houston is what T.Y. Hilton did to Houston. That's a good comp, I'd say. Maybe even just on a greater scale, I guess. Hilton did it in one playoff game down there. Jordan Alvarez, the, the Astros season. answer to T.Y. Hilton. Yes, right? You know, if you look at the Wikipedia, does it say Alvarez has a minority stake in the Mariners right now? You might. Should they? I Again, I'm like, should they have pitched him there? I Two outs. Castillo's pitching really well. I've got a soft spot for Luis Castillo being a former Red. And, boy, that 98-mile-per-hour fastball and Alvarez takes it the other way. He is um, he's quite the talent. He's really good. He's on a Houston team that's got a lot of talent. And, yeah, it looks like they're going to be, barring a miraculous comeback by the Mariners, it looks like the Astros are going to be punching their ticket to the next round. I do. I am looking forward to that environment. That'll be Saturday, Game 3 in Seattle. It's been quite some time since Seattle's hosted a playoff game. Granted, down 0-2 does not have the same feel. Today's Major League slate will get the makeup game from Yankees-Guardians. First pitch for that one is 107. Mother Nature pushed that. So that means no off day in that series now. It'll shift right to Cleveland for Game 3 on Saturday with that one. Braves and Phillies tied at one. That is 437. The first pitch there, Charlie Morton versus Aaron Nola. And then tonight at 837, it'll be the Dodgers and Padres from San Diego. I'm still pulling for the Padres. I think I picked the Dodgers to win, but I would like to see the Padres pull the upset. I don't think it's going to happen, but I have a soft spot for the Padres. Isn't it weird considering, like, the Padres' payroll and the move they made that, like, there is a bit of an underdog feel to them. Yeah, because you're always like, wait, the Padres spent how much on these guys? How's, how, that's crazy. Like, you don't think about the Padres as a big market team, but, I mean, they're in California. They're playing like a big market team. But you see them, the Dodgers are just an all-star team at every position. So I would like to see uh, Blake Snell get the job done tonight. We'll see what he does. But go Padres, but I feel like the Dodgers are going to get the better of them. It's our usual Friday lineup outside of Joe Wright's. Greg Rakestraw at 8 o'clock. Matt Taylor, voice to the Colts at 9. Mark, you and I were briefly talking about this before the show, but you look at the next two weeks for the Colts. You host Jacksonville, and you're at Tennessee. You've lost to both of these teams already this year. Um, if you look at the division record for the Colts right now, 0-2-1, one time in the history of the AFC South, which is I think we're about 20 years into the AFC South history, has a team won the division with less than four AFC South wins. You play six mm -hmm. AFC South games. Obviously, right now, the Colts can win three as the max right? with already dropping two and then tying their other AFC South game. Um, it almost has the feel to me of, like, you win both of these, 
I'd put your playoff chances like 60 to 70%. You split, it's probably a little less than a coin flip. You lose both, start looking at your 2023 mock drafts. So you're ruling them completely out. See, that's the only thing is the AFC South is so poor. I feel like even if they lose both, they're still not out of it. Yes, you've made it really hard on yourself to win the division at that point, but you're not out of it completely. Yeah, I mean, I would probably put the percentages if you lose both, like, at 20%. Right. But at that point, you would have lost. You've been swept by Jacksonville and Tennessee. So if they ever get into a tie situation this year and then your records align, and you have that head-to-head tiebreaker, you wouldn't have it. Tennessee's on a bye this week. Right. So you have this little house money game, if you want to look at it like that, of if you win, you obviously would gain a half game on the Titans. If you lose, you would lose a half if game. If you lose Tennessee. both games, you're asking an imperfect team to play pretty much perfect football the rest That's of the season. Very well said. Very well said. Can't have any more slow The margin for error is gone. Yeah. And again, I you know some, some people have brought up like, you know, is this like 2018 when you started one and five? Is this like last season when you started one and four? I can't go there because last year, even, you had a stretch where it was like, oh my gosh, you're up three scores on the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football, and you just blew it. Yeah. You haven't seen that yet. You know, out of the 20 quarters of football you've played this year, I would say you've been the better team than your opponent, maybe four or five of them. Yeah. Has there been any game that you've actually felt comfortable with the Colts holding no, a lead? No, no. No. Comfort and Colts don't go hand in no. hand. No. Not at all. Not at all. Again, Sam Fritz, Mark Dykton, myself, Kevin Bowen, Jake Query is out today. He will be back on Monday. Joe Wrights is going to join us at 7.30. Greg Rakestraw at Matt Ta- Greg Rakestraw at 8. Matt Taylor at 9 o'clock. And uh, per usual, we'll give our Friday picks to round out the show. Nice start to this Friday morning here in Indy. Kevin and Query, 93.5107.5, the fan. Again, a much better injury report for the Colts on Thursday. Quiddy Pay and Shaquille Leonard, those were the two that did not practice. Jonathan Taylor did return to practice. Here was the third year running back on his ankle injury status heading into Sunday. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go in there after and just devise the plan, man. You got to be really methodical. These things are nothing to play with. You got to got to really be smart, but you also have to really plan it out throughout the entire week so that Sunday you're able to go out there and ball with the bros. Mark, I assume as long as he, you know, re- reacted well to yesterday's practice, he'll go again today and then he'll go on Sunday. And if you look back at week two without Michael Pittman, without Alec Pierce, Jacksonville totally stuffed the box. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had only nine carries in that game. Yeah, that has to change, especially against the Jaguars, who put a lot of pressure on Mark, uh, Matt Ryan last time. And uh, injury report looks like a cl- pretty clean bill of health. Shaquille Leonard and Quiddy Pay the only two not to participate in Thursday's practice. We'll see what happens on Friday. All right, last night, just one playoff game. It was the Astros going up 2-0. They win 4-2. Jordan Alvarez does it again. A little bit earlier in the game, sixth inning. Um, a two-run homer with two outs to take the lead in that one off of Luis Castillo. So, again, the Astros up 2-0. Today it'll be the other three divisional series, Yankees and Guardians at 107. 
Um, and then the 437 game, Braves and Phillies, and at 837, Dodgers and Padres. Pacers put a bow on the preseason tonight when they take on the Houston Rockets. That game can be heard right here at 93.5 and 107.5. The fans starting at 6.30. We'll see if Benedict Matherin and the boys can build off of last game, last week's, or their last game's success. And then they'll get ready for the regular season next week. So putting a bow on the preseason Pacers-Rockets tonight. Still is amazing. Every time they play the Rockets, I'm like, why is Eric Gordon still on the Rockets? Yeah. Well, Year 15. I feel like they're just tanking like none other. Shouldn't Eric Gordon be on a contending team? Yeah, and did you hear about a uh, former teammate of Eric Gordon? Did you hear what Victor Oladipo had to say? Yeah, that was. Um, those were some interesting comments. I, just, I mean, he's obsessed with bringing up the Pacers constantly. It's kind of I'm, I'm, kind of ridiculous. I'm kind of tired of just rehashing that topic, frankly. College football this weekend. Um, some interesting spreads, I think, in the state of Indiana. Indiana, a double-digit home underdog to Maryland. That is quite humbling. Uh, that'll be a 3.30 kick on Saturday. Purdue is hosting Nebraska. Purdue is nearly a two-touchdown favorite over Nebraska team that is and 2-1 in the Big Ten. And in the Big Ten West right now, um, pretty even across the board. I still think Purdue's the favorite, but those will be a couple of interesting in-state games to watch from a Vegas standpoint. And really a, a nice slate of college football this weekend. You've got Michigan and Penn State at noon. And, Mark, I'd say the big one is Alabama at oh, Tennessee. without question. That's Peyton Manning, guest picker? Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure he'll be in attendance, I, I saw think. That, yeah, I, I think they announced that yesterday. Peyton Manning, the guest picker there for college game day. Is that another part of the McAfee Megacast or whatever they call I it. I would like to think Alabama, Tennessee would have enough clout that Peyton would go there anyways. But with Pat being on college game day and, like you said, the Manning cast, that probably plays into it. Speaking of Pat McAfee, speaking of Peyton Manning, a former Colt and a former teammate of both of them, Joe Wrights, he's going to join us next here on Kevin and Corey. You know, I mean this with all seriousness. Our next guest, frankly, is one of the greatest athletes this state has ever produced. And most people will recall, you know, his football career with the Colts, his basketball career at Hamilton Southeastern and Western Michigan, and certainly could have had a professional career off of that. But earlier this week, um, I was graciously invited by Joe Wrights to participate in a golf outing, and I watched Mark Dykes and Joe Wrights take out his putter some 50 feet off the green, whack this gold putter that I'm not sure he could get for about $7 at a local garage sale, and knocked that ball in the hole that ended up being the winning putt for us in said golf outing. And of all the great athletic achievements for Joe Wrights, I'm going to guess that one maybe ranks above the rest. <laughs> we'll confirm that with him right now. Joe, good morning, and congrats again on adding another highlight to an incredible athletic career. Wow, what an intro. Good morning, gentlemen. And uh, I agree. To quote Happy Gilmore, some I'd like to call luck and some I'd like to call, well, luck, I guess. But, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a clutch performance. It was a great job by the team. We kind of had that uh, law of the jungle mentality, right? The strength of the wolf is the pack, and the strength of the pack is the wolf. And I feel like, you know, the four of us together had some great synergy, and that was awful fun there with uh, – Ryan Davis, AD at Garen Catholic, and uh, Brian Shelbourne. Boy, I just got chills hearing that quote. That sounds like a high school weight room quote. Well, I want to know right. more, well, more hey, about it's, 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 it's Friday morning in the fall. What could be better? you got high school football tonight, CYO football in the morning, great college football <laughs> slate, and then you got the Colts-Jags 
the cherry on top, 1 o'clock on Sunday. I want to know more about, more, more about this gold putter. So is it like a Happy Gilmore thing where he's got the gold, like, hockey stick as the putter? Or is it – what's it look like? You call uh, it gold I, finger, uh, right, Joe? Yeah, my, my brother won it in 2009 at a HSE, you know, sports golf outing. It was it says Don Hines Ford on it. They donated it solid gold, and then he gave it to me. I've been playing with it ever since. And I was actually – thinking about retiring it because it's old and a little bit weary taking it out to pasture but after that punt we got another 10 15 years with that thing yeah i think the indiana golf hall of fame actually is going to call you and see if they can get that right in the lobby the great joe wright's with us here obviously colt's pregame show this sunday and you'll hear him as you do every monday right here on colt's roundtable live and the father of quite a few children um, Joe Wright is with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Joe, obviously the offensive line, a huge, huge topic leading into week six. I want to first ask you about Matt Pryor and, and what maybe he went through in transitioning from right tackle to left tackle this offseason, what he went through last Thursday and having to make that switch then from left to right um, without any practice. Can you kind of share, like, what was that like for you? What do you think that's like for him having to make these changes whether it be from one tackle to the other, guard to tackle, those sorts of things. Yeah, and that's awful tough for him. I mean, I think going in, you know, the Colts kind of gave him the job. It was his to lose through training camp and, you know, thought he had a good training camp, but when he got in game situations, just was a little bit different. You know, didn't perform the first five weeks. So then you kick him over to right tackle, and he struggled against Denver. And I just think, you know, that's that's awful tough for him. You know, I certainly don't want to speak for Matt, but, you know, confidence-wise, you know, that's got to be hard. And I think, again, the Colts are trying to figure out their best combination of linemen. I mean, in my opinion, you know, I, I kind of like the Ryman at left tackle. I think they're right, and I think they should stick with him. I think he's got a ton of upside. He'll get better. He wasn't as bad as some people thought against Denver. A couple of those penalties, that's just he's got to learn how to play and learn how, hey, this is what the refs are seeing. This is where you got to put your hands. This is where you might have to let go a half second sooner so don't get called for that. But Ryman there, Nelson, Kelly – you know, I kind of like Will Fries at right guard and then Smith at right tackle. You know, to me, I'll be interested to see the line that they do. You know, obviously Dennis Kelly is somebody they signed, hasn't played yet. And then Ty Nischke we signed. If you guys yeah. are ready, I have a Ty Nischke story for the ages from 2012 Anderson training camp. I couldn't believe he was still playing when I saw that signing. I agree. I had no idea. I read it. I instantly called Costanzo. We talked. The first thing he brought up, was Ty Nischke signs in 2012 training camp. You know, again, he came from the Arena League. Nobody had really heard of him. And now we're in one-on-ones, right? So one-on-one O-line, D-line pass rush. It's a flagship drill. We as offensive linemen think it's a biased drill, which it is. Because think, the defense, they can go outside, inside, straight through you. But there's no other four linemen. There's no play action they have to worry about, right? So inherently, it's tougher for offensive linemen. So I always struggled in one-on-ones. I'd always get beat. And I'd be like, man, these guys are going to watch the film and they're going to kick me to the curb because I, I could never beat anybody in one-on-ones. But I was pretty good in team because, you know, you know the plays and what's going on and you have run action, play action, et cetera. So we go there, Ty Nischke rolls out first practice and Dwight Freeney's lined up against him. And one of the coaches is like, no, 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 get somebody else in against Dwight. And Ty's like, no, I'm ready to go. And, you know, Dwight, I'm sure, is thinking, hey, here's this young guy, this rook. I'm going to give him my welcome to the NFL yeah, moment. I'm going to throw him to the ball Anderson Casino. Yeah, exactly. B- ball is snapped. All of a sudden, Ty Nischke, boom, long arms, hands on him, stonewalls Dwight Freeney. And everybody's kind of like, "Woo!" <laughs> and all of a sudden, they're like, all right, run it back, run it back. Boom, stonewalls Freeney again. And so my first thought is like, oh, my gosh, 
this guy's way better than me. I'm definitely getting cut. <laughs> and then I'm talking to Costanzo that night, and Costanzo's like, did you see Ty? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I'm definitely getting cut. He's way better than me. I'm like, well, hey, AC, if you're getting cut, then I'm definitely getting cut. <laughs> and anyway, you know, Ty, it was his first time, and, and we let him go at the end of camp. And obviously it's tough mid-camp because, uh, you know, you're learning the playbook, et cetera, and that's hard. But he clearly has stuck around and had a really nice career. And so we'll see how long does it take him to get up to speed, play, et cetera. But, you know, obviously that's another signing. And back to the whole picture, I know the team's trying to figure out that line. Believe me, I've been in the locker room when stuff like that's happening. It's not fun, but guess what? Just like, you know, confidence and struggles can magnify, so can success. And you have one or two good games, things get rolling, they get united with Matt Ryan. And to me, it's not just the offensive line, right? It's the running backs. It's the loss of Jack Doyle, which has really hurt us in the run game. It's a new quarterback figuring out Frank's system. It's play calling. It's scheme. It's everything rolled into one. But bottom line, if you're the Colts and you're this offensive line, you have a great chance. I mean, a great opportunity over the next three weeks to really turn yourself in from a team that's kind of middle of the road right now into a true contender. And it starts one day again, you know, one o'clock uh, Sunday against the Jags. And just to sneak in the Freeney Stonewall, Ty Neschke, he is on the practice squad right now. So we'll see if he gets involved at all moving forward. Joe, the Colts offensive line is obviously struggling in both the pass and the running game. What For you, what is the factor that the biggest factor of why a veteran group is not getting the push up front that they have in the past? I think it's one guys when they're individual battles, which we haven't done as well as they have in years past. I think two, and I've been saying this since the preseason, the loss of Jack Doyle is huge because he was such a unique tight end. He could block in line on the line of scrimmage. He could wham those defensive tackles. If you're you know, running some sort of trap scheme, he could lead up on a linebacker and really block them at the point of attack. And without kind of that lead guy, what teams are doing they're just putting linebackers in the box and they're starting to just run them through quicker and quicker. And that really hurts the zone running scheme. So coming off the Thursday night game an extra three days to prepare, I'm really going to be interested to see scheme wise if we do some things differently. Cause usually when you have that Thursday night game, the coaches get three or four extra days to kind of self scout, if that makes sense. What have we done through the first five games? What's the other team thinking when we roll out there, what can we do differently so, to me, those have been the two things, and hopefully you get a healthy Jonathan Taylor back and uh, you really get that run game piping um, coming up here Sunday. The great Joe Wrights, he's with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Joe, I thought Frank Reich's explanation for moving Braden Smith to right guard last Thursday night was interesting. Uh, basically, Reich said that they wanted to firm up the center of the pocket um, and they wanted to improve the, their interior run game. Uh, you think any part of that is maybe catering to your quarterback in that situation and that Matt Ryan has expressed a, hey, I feel like the interior pocket has been an issue for me. I'd rather have that be a little bit more set than necessarily out at right tackle. And I guess what did you make of Reich's explanation on that? Yeah, I, I, I don't think it, it's wrong by any means. You know, the middle three guys in the past game are always responsible for the depth of the pocket, meaning they got to keep those guys close to the line of scrimmage if they can so the quarterback has room to step up. And then the tackles are responsible for the width of the pocket and keeping the pocket wide and so it doesn't collapse. And so I think there's been more pressure this year than in years past through the middle. It's one-on-one battles. A lot of it is teams are blitzing more. Again, when you put on tape that you're struggling picking up things in pass protection, it's a copycat league, and teams continue to do it. And what teams are doing is they're getting five-on-five matchups. And so teams are saying, we're going to rush five guys we're going to force you scheme-wise in to get five one-on-ones, and then we're going to have one less guy in coverage, 
and we're going to kind of dare you to beat us in the pass game. And Jacksonville really started that week, too, when we had a couple of our receivers out, right, playing our guys tighter. But I think with the emergence of Pierce, I think with the emergence of Woods, you know, Pittman still has got to get going, and I think he will. But I think with those guys and making some plays down the field, teams aren't going to be able to do that as much as maybe they were doing early on the season. And so, you know, that's – but going back to your question about solidifying the inside of the pocket, I don't think it's wrong by any means. Um, but I, I will be interested to see what uh, – do they have the same lineup? Do they change it up? You've had 10 days. Um, but let, let's hope we're talking about a good offensive line performance come Monday and something that, you know, has been a position of strength on this team and, you know, flip it back to that. Joe, you've been in the trenches. You've seen it all. In your opinion, what's the most fixable thing on the offensive line where you've seen issues through five games? And what's something that that doesn't look like it'll get solved until the off season? Yeah, I don't know that I could really. Uh, it's a it's a tough question. In terms of fixable, to me, the more that you have five guys and you say this is our lineup and roll, and that's better. The more guys play together is good. The more they communicate better is good. And then also with the quarterback too. You've now had five games to figure out your quarterback, and you know with you know six straight new quarterbacks or whatever it is. That's just tough because each quarterback has different nuances. They have different ways that they slide left or right in the pocket, step up, where they hold on to the ball, where they don't, where they escape and scramble. And those guys just have to get used to each other. You've got to give it time. I do think that's what's exciting, though, because the talent is there. And for the whole offense, you know, and the ceiling is high. When you think about the Colts offense, 32 in points, and when you think about our turnovers, we're, we're minus six on the year. We're 31st in the league. If you told me those two stats through five games, I'd be like, man, what do we have, one win? But we're 2-2-1, two, two and one, right? And you got the Jags at home, which you have to beat. Then you go to Tennessee, and then you got Washington at home, and we're not losing to the Commanders at home. If anybody watched that game last night, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you, it's not going to happen. So realistically, that's what excites me about this team still is that the offense – has been the weak link so far. The defense has played great. The special teams has played great. They played winning football. But I do think you got the pieces on this offense to get it going, and that's what excites me about the Colts, that I think their potential um, is really high. But, again, it's, uh, it, I, I can't underestimate, you know, as a fan, as a former player, anything, how big these next two weeks are. I mean, to me, this really is the Colts season coming up Sunday and coming up next Sunday in Tennessee. Joe, I, I want to expand on that to close things out. Um, the time is now, you know, and I don't know, maybe I'm thinking back to when you played and you guys just dominated the division, and here you are, if you lose Sunday, it's the longest drought in the division without a win for the Colts in franchise history. And it's not like you've lost these games on last-second field goals. You know, you've been down at least three scores in your last four AFC South games. Do you have a do you have a feel of like a little bit more of a – Time is now, I don't know, Herb Brooks' sense of urgency that is an absolute must, especially considering this team has really bullied you in each of the last two matchups. No doubt. I mean, the urgency for this game, I mean, is, in my opinion, it's must-win, it's playoff-type urgency, because think about it. To your good point, Kevin, I think I read something that you might have put out that no team has won the South with less than four division wins, right? And so, you know, the Colts, the best they can get to is 3-2-1, and one. And it's really hard to get swept by a division opponent and not, and then still win the division. It's happened, but it's really rare. And so then you throw in the fact that you're playing a Jags team that historically, you know, you've had success against, obviously not down there the last seven or eight years. We know that's well documented. But the last two times, 
you know, Coach Venturi and I were talking on the Monday night roundtable. You know, if you're, if you're Frank, you need to do anything more than put up 26 to 11 on the screen and 24 nothing and walk out of the room. The guys know what's at stake. The guys know that, I mean, it's just flat out straight embarrassing the last two performances down there. And I expect, you know, people to come out Sunday with their hair on fire, kind of like we did against the Chiefs when your backs were against the wall and go out and just compete really hard every snap and dominate the game. I mean, I really, I know Jacksonville, I know Trevor Lawrence has had success against these couple, but I mean, I see the Colts win this game by a touchdown or more. I really do. And I think that gives them a lot of confidence going down to Tennessee. And I know Tennessee's coming off a bye. And historically, is it good to come off a bye with an extra week of prep? I would say yes. But early in the season, when you're not that beat up, and Tennessee has won three in a row, and I kind of like that they have that bye, right? Because this train, this momentum that they've been building kind of stops and guys go away and get to sunny Florida and you can kind of lose a little bit of that momentum. So I really do think it's an advantageous position the Colts are in. And again, nine days from now, we're going to know, but these two games, I mean, again, to me, this, this really is the season coming up. The Colts can tap into an ounce of the clutch factor that the Goldfinger via Joe Wrights had earlier this week. That would go a long way in getting things back on track. Joe will be tuning in Friday, or will be tuning in, I should say, Sunday morning and again on Monday. As always, man, enjoy your insight and had a blast earlier this week. Ten o'clock, touchdown town. We got a special guest that will be live. I can't Whoa. tell you who it is, but Bill Brooks. Jeffrey, the Gore man, myself, and JMV. We're going to be juiced up here come Sunday. So if you're a Colts fan, it's going to be a beautiful day. Get the touchdown town. They got those cheap Bud Lights fired up, and let's uh, let's get loud Sunday at one o'clock, and let's make this crowd a factor in terms of Rattle and Trevor Lawrence. We need him to have an off game. Joe, have a great one, man. Thank you. All right, thanks, fellas. Joe Wright's right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. When we come back. Greg Rakestraw joins us. Talk a little bit of everything. Uh, not just Colts, a little high school football and college as well. Greg Rakestraw's next. You're listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Fired up after that Joe Wright's energy. With us there, that'll be up on the podcast. Again, myself, Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton on this Friday morning. Sam Fritz on the ones and twos with Jake out. He'll be back on Monday, we do want to get to some high school football chatter with Greg Gregstraw. Sectional draw took place this past Sunday and really some big matchups in the final week of the regular season. But let's begin with the Colts. Rake, I'm under the impression if Jonathan Taylor gives it a go today again in practice that he will play on Sunday. Your thoughts there? That has always been my thought as well. And frankly, I thought that there was a chance if last week was a Sunday game, he would have played in that too. So of all the guys that missed last week, I thought he had the best chance of playing. Other guy I think that will play, although they're, because the guy that's filled in for him, you know, has, has played well, there doesn't seem to be this pressing need. I think we'll see Julian Blackman back out there Sunday too. Yeah, you know, now you bring that up, I'm curious how they, you know, do they just give Blackman his normal 100% reps? Yeah, I'm interested to see how they do that because I do think Rodney Tom, I, I like Blackman a lot, but Rodney Thomas has played yep. pretty good football. He has, and so my guess is you're going to see a little bit of both those guys, to be honest with you, not just to ease Blackman back into it, but because Thomas has played well, and for as good of a player as I think Julian Blackman is, let's face it, he has shown to be injury-prone, and so having a guy like Thomas available and ready is certainly a good way to go. Rake, uh, Colts haven't won a division game since December 5th, 2021. Why have they struggled so mightily in this this division? That is the $64 million question. 
because clearly the division's not very good if the Colts are 0-2-1. Um, you know, I, I think they are petitioning the NFL for a move to the AFC West. Um, <laughs> and if they're not, let me suggest that. Um, I mean, again, it, it's the same reason they have struggled just overall. Uh, it, it's line play. It's quarterback play. It's it's not making enough big defensive plays. It just happens to be that, and and maybe we should chalk it up to this. This team is notorious for running off to a slow start to the season. Well, maybe that's not a good thing. Then you play five of your seven, you know, first games are going to be against divisional foes. But there is no rhyme or reason to explain that, Mark. Courtesy of the ISC Sports Network, the great Greg Gregstraw is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Obviously, you can hear Ray Colts postgame show coming up on Sunday. Um, right side of that offensive line, Rake, I think we know Bernard Ryman at left tackle, Quentin Nelson at left guard, if healthy, and Ryan Kelly got back to practice yesterday. Frank Reich said they'll stick with Ryan Kelly at center. Part of me thinks this, Rake, and I know to some fans and even to me, I'm like, would they really do that? If you're going to make such a wild, drastic change to the O-line on a short week without practice, aren't you saying to your staff, we need to ride this out for a couple of weeks to build chemistry and give them actual practice time. Basically, I, under, I understand if you have the same five guys as you did last Thursday, just to say, okay, let's see what you do with a full week of practice instead of, instead of having, you know, a couple of walkthroughs. So um, I, I understand why fans have seen enough of, of Matt Pryor or other members of the Colts offensive line. I get that. Uh, but I also understand the logic in terms of, all right, we put you guys together in a short week, gave you two walkthroughs, and said, hey, go get them. Now let's give you a full week of practice and see what happens. So uh, I, I'm not going to be throwing stuff out of the press box windows if if it's the same five that get the start on Sunday afternoon. Boy, part of me, I hope everything's okay, but part of me would love to see security after corral you throwing stuff out of the uh, out of the press box on Sunday afternoon. That'd be a, quite the sight I- to see. I'm not the guy that makes a lot of noise in the press box. You know who that is, and you shouldn't answer who that is. But Greg, I'm not the guy that's the rabble rouser in that end of the press box. Kevin just so wants the know. distraction so he can stuff bacon in his pockets before. Well, now they've gone with this turkey bacon. Oh, and no. I just, yeah, no, I just, uh, selfishly, I just can't get behind it. I hope Rake will back me on that. I will say this. Um, the the press and, and things that people really don't care about, but I'll, I'll bring it up anyway. The press box food normally at Lucas Oil has been reminiscent of the Colts' offensive line play so far. Um, well said. You know, well said. Not amongst, not amongst the best in the league. Um, although after all these years, I don't have the expectation um, for said food um, that, uh, that that I had for the offensive line coming into the season. That would indicate some history of, of top-level performance that simply hasn't existed. Break market but two, weeks, but two weeks ago, there was an omelet station. There was. So yeah. we're, we're making small incremental progress here. So let's hope for, you know, if we can just get 1% better again on Sunday, then maybe we'll see this as more than just a happenstance. Maybe it's actually a trend. You're hoping not to use the Pepto-Bismol is what you're saying. Yeah. There, there are things that literally mark that I see. I'll see people like there for the first time. I'm like, hey, don't get that. Just just don't do it. Just, just go in a different direction. Your digestive system will thank me from years of experience. Frank, Mark and I were talking earlier about these two games right here for the Colts. At home, Sunday against Jacksonville, at Tennessee. Obviously, you're trying to avoid season sweeps with both of those teams. How do you view what 2-0 and would mean, what 1-1 and would mean, and what 0-2 would mean in these next two games for the rest of the season? 
Uh, one and one means you're kind of in the same boat that you are now, uh, where you're you're not playing well, but you're still in it. Two and zero oh means you have control of the division, which is crazy to think about. Zero oh and two means is that all hell is breaking loose. As simple as that. Because um, if, if you get through these next two games and you're two four and one, and you're zero oh, four and one in division play, which basically means you're you know, no tiebreakers, and you know I, I think we can. If there's not exactly much separation in this division, I think we can kind of say, hey, it appears the Houston Texans are probably the fourth of this group. So, you know, owning a tiebreaker with them may not mean much by the time that game rolls around on January the 8th. If you're 2-0, and then it's ugly but beautiful, uh, and you're leading the AFC South, and you're, you've got an inside track for a home playoff game. If you're 1-1, one and one, it's more of the same. If you're 0-2, we're having some conversations about the future. Rake, I want to switch uh, talking points to the offensive line. Uh, earlier this week, Zach Kiefer tweeted out offensive line help for the Colts uh, when they made a signing, and then he said, one question, though, why won't they play Dennis Kelly? Dennis Kelly uh, subtweeted that and with a gif of, I literally don't know. What's going on with Ryan Kelly? Why, ha- why can't he seem to crack uh, any sort of opportunity with the Colts? Well, Dennis Kelly is the guy that they brought in to, br- to be kind of the, the veteran swing player, what Chris Reed was for this football team last year. Dennis was then hurt during all of training camp and did not take a single rep in the preseason, both in a game nor in practice. Now we have gotten to the point where that's been seven weeks. And so, you know, I saw, I saw Dennis going through his individual workouts on Wednesday. I'm sure Kevin has seen him doing the same things on a, on a daily basis out there, uh, such as on the Wednesday, Thursday practices. But you would think that, Whatever he missed in the offseason in training camp has been made up for by now. Um, and so much like your question about divisional struggles, Mark, the answer is I don't know. Um, you would think he would be next in line to get a look if the current combination doesn't fare better than they did last week against the Broncos. Great, Greg Straw, ISC Sports Network, uh, Carmel and LC, I believe, for Rake tonight. Uh, you go back to Sunday Greg, and again, we're in the final week of the high school regular season, the sectional draw. I thought, you know, out of that draw, you got some pretty juicy first-round matchups in 6A. You did. Uh, you know, Ben Davis and Brownsburg, a rematch in, in week number one, which, of course, for the 6A guys is not next week, but is in two weeks. Carmel and Westfield obviously immediately comes to mind as well, even though I think both teams might be not as good as they were last year, but clearly they're amongst two that you think can go a little ways in terms of the northern half of the bracket. Even if you go to the 3A and 4A ranks next week in terms of Mount Vernon and New Pal, uh, also Danville and Tri-West, um, there, there are some good games to choose from these first couple of weeks of the postseason. As a Brownsburg resident, a new Brownsburg resident, I have my eyes on the Brownsburg-Hamilton Southeastern game tonight. That's a huge one. Who do you have walking out 9-0? and that's good. You would, you, would, you would tend to say Brownsburg, but HSE is 8-0 for a reason. They're pretty good, too. Yeah, it's a Brownsburg squad that you look at their two non-conference wins, you know, that catches your attention immediately, Ben Davis and Cathedral. And then, you know, the, the, the game that recently you go, wow, that pops out at you is the fact they beat Zionsville 50-3. Uh, and, and Zionsville's not a, a 6A championship contender. I was stunned by that, Rake. I was, I, I was on the call for that. I, I couldn't yeah. believe how out of hand it got. Right, exactly. Uh, and so, you know, Brownsburg, again, as I've said numerous times, they're the number one team, okay? But there's not the gap from them 
to everybody else the way we have had in, say, four of the last five years where Ben Davis had a super team in 17 or Warren had had an 18 or Center Grove had that each of the last couple of years. I still believe this is a this is a, a, a year where there are five or six teams, depending on how things go, um, could be the, the 6A state champs, all of them obviously in the local area. So Brownsburg is the favorite, which then makes them the favorite tonight. But I don't expect it to be easy because this is clearly the best team that HSE has had in 15 years, if not longer. Rake, last one for me. I want to get, sneak in a college football one. I, I get it's jumbled right now, but I think they've got the best quarterback in the division, and I would call them the Big Ten West favorite here in mid-October. Would you agree with that sentiment for Purdue? It's crazy to think that. Um, you know, and, and, and everybody on each campus, maybe the exception of Northwestern, has to think, my goodness, we've got a shot of winning this bad division. Um, and again, do I think that whomever comes out of the West would do any damage whatsoever against Ohio State? Nope. Uh, or Michigan or Penn State, frankly, uh, you know, for, for, for that matter. But I think you couched it very well. Of the teams that are, you know, all on level footing in the West, who's one of the best quarterback? Well, you could say that is Aiden O'Connell, and, and I would tend to agree. So, you know, it's one thing when you just simply go, hey, you know, they're tied for first three games into Big Ten play. But when you spit out who is left on the schedule, it's Nebraska, it's Illinois, it's Wisconsin, it's Northwestern, it's Iowa, it's Indiana. Nobody that really has shown consistently they're any good. Purdue's got a shot in every game. Purdue could be playing at Lucas Oil Stadium on December the 3rd. Rake, last one from me, Colts-Jaguars Sunday. Oh, you have winning. Colts. You want to know why? Yes, I guess I do. The sanity of the postgame show host. <laughs> Are you at your wits' end at this That's point? A selfish pick, Rake. Right. It's, it's all about me. It always has been. Um, no, in all, in all seriousness, um, you know, after after the the Jaguars beat the Colts in the next week, you go, hey, maybe Jacksonville's got something. And then you had last week against the Houston Texans. And for – we all know the history of the Colts struggling in Jacksonville. The flip side is true here in Indianapolis. It's not like Jacksonville has had Indy's number in this building. Last year, the Jaguars, you know, in a match of about this same time of year, looked pretty putrid in terms of playing against the Colts. So, um, you know, having having the, the mini buy, having that extra break, coming back home, having more time for that offensive line to work together. I tend to think the Colts are going are, are to win this one coming up on Sunday afternoon. I can't even imagine Greg's like sanity after having to work a Thursday night game last night or last week, watch that game, and then have to take calls for hours afterwards into the wee hours of the morning. That's why they paid you know the what, big Mark, bucks. It was actually it was actually more positive than you'd think since they won. That um, is true. If, if 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 they had lost, we've been having a completely different conversation. But but most callers. We're looking at that in a positive light as, hey, found a way to win the game when the offensive well, the offensive effort was terrible uh, because they could focus on defense and special teams. So when we had fun, we literally hit the airwaves at 1210. We had phone callers for two straight hours. We had phone calls into the 2 o'clock hour last Friday morning. Winning ugly is still winning. Busy, yes, busy time of year for Greg Rakestraw again tonight. Carmel LC, the state high school tournament, starts up next week for football and, of course, a whole lot of Colts as well. Rake, uh, have a great weekend, man. I'll see you Sunday. All right. Thanks, guys.
Greg Rakestraw right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. It It's just astonishing to me, Mark. I go back to this for the, you know, futility the Colts have had in this division here lately. You've got to go back to 2017 for Jacksonville's last road game in the AFC South. Road win, excuse me, in the AFC South. Yeah, that is wild. 13 straight? That's got to be close to an NFL record. That's got to be. Did you know the Jaguars have been bad? I didn't know they were that putrid in the division. And then the fact that the Colts are just – the Colts are still struggling with them in Jacksonville. It's like, can you just get the win against them, please? Just end this straight. You can't even be competitive in Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, I I go back to that Week 2 matchup and think, no Michael Pittman, no Alec Pierce. They'll be out there on Sunday. I think that is huge to kind of offsetting – Everything Jacksonville almost disrespected the Colts with in week two, and rightfully so. They said there's no chance any of these receivers are going to beat us. So we're just going to stuff the box. We're going to load it up, and our defensive line will win in those obvious pass rushing situations. I think Taylor had like four yards on five carries in the first half of that matchup. You get in those third and longs, and then all of a sudden, Matt Ryan's hit. 11 times and sacked five times. I'd like to think with what just the presence of Pittman and then what Pierce has shown on film the last few weeks, Jacksonville won't be able to commit everything towards the run and, again, set up those obvious third and longs like they did in week two. Yeah, following that game against the Jaguars, we said when your best offensive player is your running back and get down multiple scores late, you have to abandon the run at some point. And they just didn't have the wide receiver weapons. Now you've seen, obviously, Michael Pittman Jr. is their number one. Alec Pierce, or Alex Pierce, according to the owner, is making strides. He looks legit. So let's see if we can keep building on that. And let's take the pressure off of Jonathan Taylor and that offensive line. Let Matt Bryan have some time to drop back and find his receivers open. So then maybe that will take some pressure off, and the Jaguars' defense will have to play a little more on their heels than they did in Week 2. And again, if you're Frank Reich, and I know I said this after the Week 2 loss, you are begging Gus Bradley not to let Trevor Lawrence get into that early game rhythm. I mean, he is, throughout these numbers earlier in the week, it's like 58% against every team not named the Colts this season, and then 82% against the Colts. Yeah. Stack the box. Have a spy on him. him. Don't let him roll out. to him. You cannot let him sit back there. It felt like he was never moved off his spot in week two. He just got to the top of the drop, and it was pitch and catch. Usually in both of these matchups, he converts that early third down, and I just feel like that is the jolt of confidence he needs to look like a totally, totally different quarterback. So massive for the Colts on Sunday to do that. Um, if you missed it last night, consider it a blessing. 12-7, Washington over Chicago on Thursday night football. Um, Mark, we were talking a little bit in the break. You know, when I watch Justin Fields, I, you certainly see – Something there. Um, toughness was on display last night. Mm-hmm. Ability to make some plays with his legs. I just hope that he gets into an offensive system. Well, two things. I hope they find a better offensive line. And two, an offensive system that I just think caters a little bit more to his talents, his skill set. I feel like, and Ryan Fitzpatrick said this after the game, I thought it was pretty accurate. Just don't try and mold him into being that pocket passer necessarily because if you ask him to do that for four quarters, he's going to get exposed. Yeah, I mean, we all we all see the athleticism, especially when he rolls out and gets on his uses his feet. I mean, he had that run late in the fourth quarter, we're like, oh my god, and he had he had a similar one in the Vikings game that got called back on a uh, block in the back penalty where he just takes off and it reminds you of like Michael Vick or Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson. You're like, wow, there it is. And he throws a pass to Dante Pettis for a touchdown that's over the shoulder, perfectly thrown, 
Like, there it is. But just, I think, yeah, they're trying to mold him into a pocket passer. He's not comfortable yet. You could see by just his footwork, he's bouncing around back there. He's not sure if his first read isn't there. His first instinct is just take off and run. So he's not looking at all his receivers that could possibly open be open. Um, it's a work in progress. And that offensive line, they have a bunch of young guys. It was their worst performance of the season by far. Montez Sweat was having a field day with their rookie left tackle, Braxton Jones. So it's a work in progress, and they don't have the weapons available. Um, and I, I feel like I'm being a Fields defender at times because people are like, give up on him, he's a bum, no, this and no. that. I'm like, look Too at early. the offensive line. Look at the weapons he's got. I mean, he's got wide receivers that are getting hit in the hands with passes and dropping them left and right. Um, this is a work in progress. Wins and losses do not matter to this Bears team in 2022. It is all about development with the offensive line, with Justin Fields, with your young guys. They have the the most rookies starting in the NFL by far. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do. They've got $100 million in cap space next offseason. They've got all their full complement of draft picks. We'll see what happens. I'm not worried about it right now. Speaking of young guys, did you guys hear that? I don't know, Sam, you were at the game, so maybe you didn't hear this. You were at Pacers-Knicks on Wednesday night. Chris Denary on the broadcast said that the Pacers average age of their roster is a year and a half younger than the Fort Wayne Maddens. Wow. That's crazy. I had not heard that, no. I knew we were the youngest team in the NBA this year, but I didn't know even compared to our G League. Right. <laughs> that is yeah. a lot. And you were impressed by Andrew Nemhard the other night, Sam? Yeah. Um, Nemhard really stepped up. We were trailing in the fourth quarter. I think we were down 10 with six minutes to go. And I'm not going to make you know a one-to-one comparison here, but much like how people see Chris Paul as that fourth quarter point guard that can bring a team back, Nemhard just stepped up and started producing. Hit some uh, big shots. Yeah, he hit, I think, three threes in a row to end the game, 15 points. He was an assist short of a double-double. And his communication was just, like, that's what I think we're paying for with. We gave him the largest second-round contract that we've ever given somebody out of college, right? And I think we're giving him that 8.6 mil because he communicates like he's been playing pro ball. He got Batadze on fire, which is not something that we've seen with anybody playing with (laughs) Batadze as a pacer yet. Yeah, I... uh feel like with him I know I said this yesterday just kind of that poor man's Malcolm Brogdon with his game I'm very curious to see how they divvy up the minutes with TJ McConnell and Nemhard behind Tyrese Halliburton uh, but I think no matter who is in the game whether it's Halliburton TJ McConnell or Nemhard you have very very pass first high basketball IQ point guards and I think that is critical in evaluating the guys around them and just continuing that ball movement I thought at times and it, I guess this is a shot at Brogdon. I just felt like the ball just was too just stopped too much with Brogdon. I know he had decent assist numbers, um, but I just felt like at times you get late into a possession in particular, and the ball would just really, really slow down. The pace was never there. You got into late clock situations, and it was just a recipe for disaster. And the Pacers and the Rockets tonight, 7 o'clock over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, the final preseason game before Wednesday's regular season opener. That is the Wizards. Three straight home games out of the gate for the Pacers to start. Somebody pointed this out, and I wanted to see if you had noticed. They they said how Benedict Matherin's, I, I mean, I know you're a huge fan, but his initials, BM, and then his double zeros. Have you seen how they do B on one side, his double zeros, and then M on the other side, so it's boom? Do you like that Whoa, or not? Oh, no. You're going to have to show me a picture of this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is this like a... Created like I think it, I can kind of find where it was. Twitter, I, someone sent it to me and they said, "I'm surprised Kevin hasn't mentioned this." And I'm like, "I didn't even notice that." To be quite honest, I need to try to dig it up. But I saw that and I was like, 
Well, that seems like that's a that's a fun thing. Yeah, Luke mentions uh, think how much younger the roster would be without James Johnson. He's like 35, 36. Langston Galloway's up there in age. We'll see if those guys make the roster. Pacers have got some uh, roster moves to make this weekend uh, as they get things set for the regular season next week. Uh, in a few minutes, we're going to play um, – it's not often you see an NFL head coach storm off and end his postgame presser, particularly after a win. That happened last night with Ron Rivera. Uh, pretty fed up, I think, with how everything's been handled. Um, this is after a win, by the way. Right. Again, very <laughs> rare um, with Carson Wentz. And so we'll play some of that audio here. Coming up, let's do a morning check down on the fan. The morning check down. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. What T.Y. Hilton is to the Houston Texans, Jordan Alvarez is to the Seattle Mariners. Up to one, sixth inning, the Mariners. Luis Castillo pitching well, 98-mile-per-hour fastball. And next thing you know, Alvarez has hit another one. Over the fence, a two-run shot. It was a 3-2 lead. They tacked on um, one more, and that was it. It is now a 2-0 lead for the Astros, 4-2 over the Mariners. And what, that one is at 2-0. The other AL series is 1-0, and the two NLs are 1-1? Correct, yep. You feel good that the Mariners will at least get a win? I mean, that's just such a kick in the you-know-what. I was getting flashes of like when they won whatever it was 112 games and then they got bounced in the first round. Like I said, I, I like I mean, the to Mariners. Be fair, no one thought the Mariners would be no. in the playoffs. I, and I like I like the Mariners again. I've I've said it a couple times. I think they're a year or two away, and the Astros are just playoff built, and they're showing it so far. Uh, today's games: Yankees and Guardians. That was postponed from last night. Mother Nature is pushing that today. 107, the first pitch there. Shane Bieber, Nestor Cortez. Uh, 437 will be the Braves and Phillies in Philly. That is the first home playoff game for the Phillies since 2011. And the nightcap, the Padres and the Dodgers, the first home playoff, I think first non-COVID home playoff game for San Diego since 2006. Again, both those NL series tied at one. Who do you like in the NL? I know you're Mar- the Mariners, your AL team. Yeah, I, I, I've got a soft spot for the Phillies. A little bit. I, I don't know if that's Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. A little bit mm-hmm. there. Um, I, Phillies or Padres. Okay. You guys? I like Schwarber, obviously. Uh, I still pick the Braves to win that series, and I, I like the Padres a lot, but I think the Dodgers will win, so I have Braves-Dodgers coming out of those series. As a Phillies fan, I'm very biased here, but, I mean, I think the fact that they managed to get a win away with that Suarez-Freed matchup, yeah. and you basically you had your number four pitcher beat their ace – and now you've got your ace at home. I think the Phillies can win this one at least. Boy, they hung in there the other night until kind of the small ball there in the sixth inning with the Braves scoring three runs uh, in that one. All right, uh, looking at the Colts injury report, heading into the final practice of the week, it's much better than it looked on Wednesday. Again, Quiddy Pay, Shaquille Leonard, those are the two I would expect not to play. Naheem Hines is an interesting one heading into Sunday. He is still being listed as limited in his progression through the concussion protocol, whereas Tyquan Lewis, who did suffer his concussion in the game before Hines did. Hines was last Thursday against Denver. Lewis was uh, against the Titans. Uh, we saw Tyquan get to be a full participant. That is noteworthy, Mark, because without Quiddy Pay, I'm expecting more Tyquan Lewis and more Dio Adangbo um, with that absence. But I think all in all, from what it looked like on Wednesday with eight guys not practicing, 
I really only look at two guys that I would label in the no-go category here on this Friday morning. As close as a close as close as a clean bill of health as you could ask for with two guys out. You're like, okay, heading into a, a very high-stakes division game. Of course, you look at Jacksonville and you're like, wait, all 53 of their guys are practicing? Yeah. They yeah. did put, I think, one of their offensive linemen on IR this week. I think you're right about the wide receivers, though. Like, week two. That's week, huge. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you remember difference. that in week two, man? My, the Paris Campbell's biggest contribution was an offensive pass interference penalty in the fourth quarter. That would be the highlight of his career, some would say. Gosh, that's harsh. It's harsh, but fair. All right, college football this weekend. Uh, locally, it'll be Indiana hosting Maryland. This falls in the... You want to get to six games. You cannot lose to Maryland at home category. Crab kicks in football. That's what Maryland does. Cannot lose to Maryland at home. That's a kick in the candy stripes if you're losing, if you're double-digit underdogs at oh home to Maryland. That is a slap in the face. Yeah. But probably the state of the program. Uh, Purdue and Nebraska, that's at Ross-Aid. Purdue coming back from those back-to-back road wins at Minnesota and Maryland. Um, that is an interim head coach with the Cornhuskers. They are 2-1. and one. So far in the Big Ten, Notre Dame has got Stanford. Stanford has fallen off a cliff. Yeah, their prominence is, uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they're they are a shadow of what they used to be. I feel like I see Stanford now, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess they're still a football program. Then they wipe out, like, half of their athletic programs during COVID. I think that's right. If you're Matt Rule, do you take Nebraska, Auburn, Wisconsin, or sit out? I mean, I would sit out. You've got, what, $40 million you're still owed? What's your rush? You really want to go to Nebraska? We should call Jake at his thoughts on Nebraska and IU basketball. Well, Jake's enjoying wherever he's at in, in the in the Baton Bayou Rouge. right now. It, it, yeah. Brian Kelly's fa- a- Amley's house last night. Bye, Amley. That's where Jake was. I'm, I'm glad I'm off on Monday because I'm sure Jake is going to come back with some kind of accent for you. <laughs> Yes, that will 1,000% be happening. All right, last night again, pretty rare to see a head coach storm off the postgame presser after a win, but that happened last night with Ron Rivera. We'll explain why next here. Kevin and Query with Mark Dykton filling in for Jake on this Friday morning. It's Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Eyes still bleeding on this Friday morning, just like they were last Friday morning. 12-7, the Commanders over Mark Dykton's Bears last night. Live, did you think that was a touchdown on the final play of the game? Uh, I thought it was, and then I, I, when they showed the replay and I saw Mooney bobble it, I was like, yeah. correct call, but live, I thought yeah. it might have been a score. Yeah. I, a, a play call I would have liked to have seen a little differently. I, I didn't love honestly. him under center. I didn't love like the fake pitch. Don't tell me you're running a pitch on fourth and three right? or whatever it was, fourth and two. I feel like there could, like you said, there's 50 seconds left in that game when they got down to like the four, I would have liked to seen a David Montgomery run, yes. even though you had no timeouts. First and second run. down. Montgomery's a workhorse. Get up it. to the line of scrimmage with 30 seconds, 25 seconds to go, get fields out of the pocket, and maybe more designed run yeah. than what you had there on third down. Uh, Post game was interesting last night. Again, the Colts probably got the result they wanted in that the Commanders won, and considering they were 1-4 and four headed into last night, and the rest of the teams in their division are four and one, four and one, and five and zero. Oh. It's really important Washington stays somewhat within striking distance isn't even the right phrase, but relevancy in the NFC East because you need Carson Wentz to play at least seventy percent of the snaps this season in order for that trade to be completed and that final pick to be a second rounder versus a third rounder. That's the 
playing time stipulation up in the air for that. Um, last night watching him, Mark, he, first off, I thought he was terrible. Absolutely awful. Secondly, I thought to myself, and I guess I felt this way at times, honestly, with him here in Indy. I, I thought it was toughness. There are some people in the closer organization that questioned Wentz's toughness last year. I thought that was ludicrous. I thought he, I thought he played through injuries, gutted out. You know, they had no business being out there in that week three meeting in Tennessee last year. He got it out. Last night, I'm thinking to myself, his shoulder might fall off. Um, his hand might fall off. You were saying he got taped up, you know, on the ground, ankle at one point, and then he blocked Roquan Smith like he was. I know, thought he was going to separate his guard. shoulder. He, yeah, he threw that block into Roquan Smith, and he laid him out, which, okay, great, but I was like, you are already got a lot of injuries going on. Maybe yeah. don't do that. Uh, it was a pretty passionate Ron Rivera post game. Sam's going to cue up this audio. Here again, Ron Rivera, who earlier this week, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically said that the reason why Washington is not at the same level as the other teams in the NFC East is due to the quarterback and what Dallas, the Giants, and the Eagles have built around that quarterback. He was asked last night, um, I believe it was in reference to a report of Daniel Snyder wanting Carson Wentz. He was asked about that post game. And uh, he was pretty passionate about it. You know, they played their asses off. They have. They played their asses off for everybody. They come out and they show up. They work hard. All right? They don't complain. Okay? They hear all this stuff and they got to deal with it. I get them. I respect them for it because they're resilient. They come out. Everybody keeps wanting to say, I don't want anything to do with Carson. Well, bull****. I'm the guy that pulled out the sheets of paper, that looked at the analytics, that watched the tape in the freaking when we were in Indianapolis. Okay? And that's what pisses me off. Because the young man doesn't deserve to have that all the time. I'm sorry, I'm done. Exit stage right for Ron Rivera. Early shower. Yeah. The postgame presser. Uh, not often you hear a head coach postgame not only ended early, but what do we get in there? Two F's and a BS? Yeah. Uh, Sam Fritz, great work on the bleeping it was, out. It was one F, one BS, and then uh, a P that a lot of people say isn't an FCC violation, but I still treat it like one. Gotcha. So, Mark, look at you. Just in case the fans at home really wanted right. to know what we were dealing with. That's what separates you from Mark Dykton. Mark, I Mark let that would go let that sure. go. Well, to be yeah. fair, he's in the chair. So. That's true. You know, when Zach Kiefer had his little moment a few weeks ago, Mark, you know, oh, we got to get on that. Yeah, uh, yeah Bears primetime games like Dennis Green had that blow up after a loss, of course, on Monday night. And <laughs> something now, about the Bears. Ron Rivera, yeah, something in the water when you play the Bears where you're just more more pedoed than, than usual. You know what's funny about that clip? When the Colts made the trade for Matt Ryan, and just to refresh everyone's memories on those two trades, the Colts traded Carson Wentz to the Commanders. The Commanders gave Indianapolis a... Did they swap third-rounders? Is that what it was? Yeah, they swapped third-rounders. Swapped third-rounders, and then the Colts got either the second-rounder or third-rounder here in 2023. Still depends on how long to be how determined. completion or starting snaps he takes. They also had Washington eat the rest of Carson Wentz's $26 million, I forget the number, something like that, contract, which is shocking to me because, as I said back in March, and I, I will mention again, the Colts would have cut him the next week. They would have cut Carson Wentz and been done with them because the owner wanted nothing to do with him. Ron Rivera, when the Colts made the trade for Matt Ryan, which the Colts 
did not have to give up the amount of draft capital that Washington did for Wentz, let alone eat the amount of salary. Again, I think a lot of people figured if the Colts were to move Wentz, they would have to eat a chunk of that salary. Ron Rivera texted someone that I'll just label as a high-ranking Colts official and simply said, how did you guys do that? <laughs> so part of me wishes How Ron did you Rivera, fleece us like you just did? Pretty much. Part of me wishes a little true serum for Ron Rivera last night and think, is that pent-up frustration because you're thinking back to March when, and again, right now, both Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz have clear issues. I mean, I'm not sitting here acting like Matt Ryan is some vastly superior quarterback than Wentz, but when you consider what you gave up for each of them, the Colts did win out in that situation oh, sure. in that you do have the additional pick coming next year. From a financial stake, Matt Ryan's contract is not the length that Carson Wentz is. And again, Washington ate all of Carson Wentz's contract. If everything was uh, even, do you think Ron Rivera would like a do-over? Because have you heard that how they were close to acquiring Jimmy G? And then because of the shoulder surgery that he had to take, they, they nixed that deal? So if they did, they Nick Wentz was the fall fallback plan. Interesting on Jimmy G. They um, the graphic was going around yesterday. Have you seen all the draft picks teams have given up for Carson Wentz over the years? It's absurd. So if you go back to what Philly with Frank Reich as their OC and Doug Peterson as their head coach, what Philly gave up to draft him? Philly traded up twice. That was Jared Goff one, Carson Wentz two. Ironically, both the Rams and Eagles traded up with what Philly gave up with what Indy gave up, and then what Washington gave up, it is three first-round picks, three second-round picks, three third-round picks, and a fourth-rounder. It's the old adage that they say in the NFL where a struggling quarterback, the next coaching staff, thinks they can be the ones that can harness that. We can right. get it out yeah. of them. Oh, we yeah. can do it. And, and, and I understand, Mark, to that point, I understand like one team thinking that. Washington thinking it. When you watched him in Philly fall apart and be broken, really, that means you're in the division. And then you see Indy, where the head coach was the dude's great friend and biggest believer. They bail on him after one year. Again, they would have cut him. How does Washington sit there and think, no, 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 third time's a charm. Yeah. We're going to be the We're going to be the organization. Right? Well, they did it with Donovan McNabb, too. I mean, Donovan McNabb was in the division. And granted, Donovan McNabb is, has the higher pedigree than Carson Wentz. But it was another thing where you took an old Eagles quarterback, and then he was a shell of himself. And Carson Wentz, I just don't see how you could even go to that thing. And the fact that they ate the whole contract, that is bizarre. That's just wild to me. In, Sam? In what little defense I can award Carson Wentz, you know, he followed me from Philadelphia out to Indianapolis. Oh. Um, well, we didn't know that part. So. Training yeah. order. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I was here Colts first. fans would love to throw Sam Fritz in the canal on this Friday. Uh, in what little defense I can give him, Philadelphia never let that man recover 100%. They kept putting him back out on the field at, you know, they'll say 80-90. He was probably no better than 60% healed off of any injury he had. And I think maybe Washington thought they could get this guy a little bit of a break. They could get him back closer to 100% than he's been in literally half a decade. Yeah, and I hear you out, Sam. I Again, I, I feel like I've taken this Jim Irsay phrase and now used it way too often. I have more worry about Carson in between the ears. You know, almost less about physical health, which he has been beat up, to your point. But I just think you see a – go back to the Kurt Warner interview with us after last season – 
I think you see a quarterback that just cannot process anywhere near to the level that maybe he did before the ACL. And, and maybe the ACL set up everything. Maybe that just – that combination of – because I think we all can have a human element with Carson Wentz watching Nick Foles win that Super Bowl. There had to be some point of him that was like, damn. He, he completed the work that I set him up for. That should have been me. Yeah. I was supposed to be the MVP. I was – Leading this team to what were they thirteen and two, thirteen and three when he got hurt? Roughly something crazy like that in December. Um, and I do think I know front runner is the right word, guys, but I think Carson has always kind of been that at North Dakota State. Like not a lot of plain adversity thrown his way from his high school days through his collegiate days. Then he gets to Philly for the most part, pretty smooth sailing, really good in his second year, and then boom, the ACL happens. And then when he starts to have some playing adversity in 2018 and 2019, that's when I think just being in that Philly environment got to him. I feel like that's the case with a lot of young quarterbacks. They've grown up their whole life being the best player on the team, in the school, at the university. So they get told that they're – the best, and then when they actually face some adversity, that's when you got to see what kind of metal they actually have. Because I mean, it's, it's more mental than physical at times. So we've questioned Carson Wentz's mental capabilities when it comes to the football game, and you know you're seeing that with other young QBs too. Can they overcome this adversity? Can they overcome the struggles and build off of it? And for him, it seems like he can't. Uh, let's get to Mike. Mike is on uh, the phone lines here. Mike, good Friday morning to you. Hey, good good morning, guys. Uh, so I got a. I was at a bar last night having a couple beers, watching that game, and uh, me and this guy, man, we got to arguing, and I, I thought for a hot second it was gonna we were gonna. Whoa! Guys' perspective on say this. it again. Did you think so, it was gonna come to blows there for a second? You kind of broke up. I, 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 yeah, I sure thought so. There for a hot minute, I thought, all right, well, I get crazy in here. Here we go. Like, it was just that. It was just that deep of a sports conversation, and about the Colts. So I'm going to get you guys' opinion. Um, the argument was if they had never signed Philip Rivers back in, what, 2020 or whatever that was, and Brady was a free agent, if Tom Brady, and I'm just using him as an example, if he had signed with Indy and he's still here because he's still in Tampa, is Tom Brady even alive right now after this line that we have, or do you think Ballard would have put some initiative into getting a left tackle, you know, I guess some – I went a little harder after a left tackle than what he has this year. I mean, it's, you get my drift where I'm going with it? Well, like, I, I am, Mike. I'm a little afraid to give my answer because I'm afraid the other guy might show up here to the circle and be waiting for Mark or I, you know, after the show ends here. Kevin Bowen, I'm waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I broke this bottle last night at the bar. I've been, it's been sitting on my nightstand waiting for you. Um, You know, the Brady point is interesting because Mike isn't really asking would Brady have – come here he's saying Brady is here mm-hmm. how would you have addressed building around him um, I would have liked to have pardon me would like to think that Chris Bauer would realize that Tom Brady has um, a bit of clout and would you would listen to him about roster moves as long as he didn't bring Antonio Brown here well I'm thinking you know Gronk with Tampa yeah I think with you know, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Tampa draft Tristan Wirfs like in that 2020 draft? Mm-hmm. I think it was in that draft. Um, I would like to think that again, Brady would say, "Hey, if I'm doing this, we we cannot be patchworking 
at left tackle. Julio Jones might be here, too, if that's the case. I'm not holding my breath on that, Mike. No, no. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to change. You'd have Because Costanzo retired, what, after the 2019 season? Is that yeah, right? Yeah, and he'd offered hints that he was retiring a or, couple or years earlier. he play earlier. 2020? Now that I'm thinking about it, I think he played with Rivers in 2020. That sounds right. Yeah, so you would have had Costanzo for that final season with, uh, or it would have been Brady's first season, I guess. Has Brady been in Tampa three years? Yeah. So his third season there? Yeah. You got two years of him in the him Gronk show, and then, yeah, now this year. Now this year. All right, uh, Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He's going to join us here in about 10 minutes. You are listening to Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. A couple comments from the YouTube chat. I'm curious about Ryan Kelly. Uh, again, asked Frank Reich on Wednesday if healthy Ryan Kelly is going to still be the Colts center. He said that the thought to benching him for Danny Pinter is something they have not discussed. I think it's a conversation they should be having, um, considering the recent play. And just, I think, continued injuries more than anything with Kelly this deep into his career. And then uh, Lyndon wanted me to repeat or kind of clarify, I guess, those Ron Rivera comments. Again, when uh, Rivera saw what the Colts gave up for Matt Ryan versus what Washington had to give up for Carson Wentz. Uh, Rivera texted someone high up, certainly, within the Colts organization saying, how did you do that? That's <laughs> that's hilarious to Not me. Not a ringing endorsement of proper um, resources that you had to give up for one quarterback versus the other. And again, I, I hear that, Mark Dykton, and I do think the report you saw last night of Daniel Snyder wanting Carson Wentz had to be at play. Mm -hmm. As much as Jim Irsay said to Chris Ballard, get rid of him. I don't care how you do it, get rid of him. And again, I think they would have cut him the following week. I almost look at what Washington had to do with Wentz and think that that was Daniel Snyder saying to Ron Rivera and their you know management, do anything it takes to get to him because right now without Garoppolo and without you know, the Dwayne Haskins thing tragically not not working out, I mean, all of that. They had no answer. Yeah, they had Taylor Heineke, and that was about it. Which I like Taylor Heineke. He's a serviceable backup, but I don't think he's your starting quarterback. But then that calls into question, too, that Ron Rivera's comments after the game last night. So then he was saying, I've done the work. I looked at the film and this yeah, and that. Yeah, I think that's just that's public. That's covering his co yeah. CYA. I think it's just public, just spewing out some public yeah, comments. Yeah, that could very well be the case. Uh, again, the Commanders 12-7. They've got our murderer's row schedule coming up. So for those hoping for the 70% uh, uh, snap rate, uh, buckle up because the Commanders, uh, following their mini bye week now, host the Packers at Indianapolis, host the Vikings, and then at Philly on Monday Night Football. So they've got a murderer's row four-game slate coming up. What do you guys think about Bills favored at Arrowhead on Sunday? I mean, as my as the Bills being my Super Bowl pick, I like it. I think I would take the Bills in that game, get a little bit of a revenge from their Playoff, uh, playoff well, homes at home with points. That's not enticing to you. It is, is enticing. Is it two and a half? Is that what I saw? I think that's the last check. But yeah, that that is the game of the weekend, and it's uh, it's the late the late afternoon window. So the solo four twenty five game. Yep. I heard earlier on uh, Keyshawn J. Willen and Max that this is Mahomes' first time being the underdog at home in his entire career. Which I don't. I mean, I don't know how you put a guy who. 
essentially is going to be the you know the next generational superstar already is at this point as an underdog even against the Bills. I think yeah, chalking up to the Bills defense with Von Miller, who's that's been a great addition for them. Um, but yeah, Bills currently the two and a half point favorites there. Yeah, the rest of the four o'clock games stink. Panthers at Rams, Cardinals, Seahawks. No, thank you. Uh, all eyes should be on Bills Chiefs. If I'm starting an NFL franchise today, I take Josh Allen over Mahomes. You would? I think I would. Hmm. That's not. I mean, you're you're doing well for yourself I, either way. Yeah, I'm not acting like that's some like scorching hot take by any means, but I think that's what. I don't know. There's just something about Allen that I really, really like. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's got the arm. He's got the legs. He can do a lot. Mahomes is the same way, though. Mahomes has made passes in his career that I'm just like, I've never seen that before. Like, where he's falling sideways, and he makes a perfect pass to the back of the end zone to Travis Kelsey or something like that. Yeah, so that will be 425 on Sunday. Again, Colts and Jags, 1 o'clock on CBS, leading into that one. We'll talk more about that with the voice of the Colts. Matt Taylor joins us next here. 9 o'clock hour coming up. Kevin Aquarian. Probably one of the more accurate statements you'll hear all day. Mark Dykton receiving a text in the break saying, uh, today feels a little bit more focused out of the old 7-10 to 10 show here on 93.5, 107.5, the fan. N- no shock there with Jake Query out. Yeah, I haven't had any metaphors yet. I haven't gone on any soliloquies. Now it is a 9 o'clock. Now does this feel Friday. weird for you? Are you uncomfortable with I, it? I, I am a I little. I'm, I'm like, breaking the routine. something seems off. I'm sweating a little bit more than I usually do. <laughs> and like you said, that chair, you never know. That could drum something up here in something the Something could trigger hour. me. We're in the, we're in the 9 o'clock hour. You never know. Things get weird. Final hour of the week. I was thinking about this last night, and it has some relevancy with our next guest. Because our next guest is a big baseball fan. I know a little bit of that has probably waned uh, based off how his red legs, our red legs, I should say, have looked over the past few years. But, like, that rating last night of Commanders and Bears, in my opinion, will still be very, very high because you didn't have Yankees Guardians to turn the channel to. No. With the rain delay. Well, it's one of those things, too, where, again, the app makes it a little more difficult to sure. jump out of. Sure. But even, like, if you would have got to halftime last night and had the option of Yankees Guardians and it was, like, you know, whatever, 1-1 one, one in the sixth, you could have people that are like, wait, what? Over 50 drives without a touchdown in Thursday night football, over 100 minutes played. Screw this. I'm going to baseball. Uh, Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts, is our next guest. Mate, I don't know if you watched or how much you did last night of Thursday night football, but was there any part of you that was thinking, hmm, I could use a little <laughs> Yankees Guardians right now? I did watch a great deal. And the month of October, heck, even, even November, with all the football going on, plus basketball and Hockey, you know, I mean, I'll watch hockey from a novice standpoint, but those are two TV months for me. I've got TVs going, um, you know, or or a phone going with the TV on in the evening time watching games, you know, simultaneously. Uh, It's a great time of year to be a sports fan. I say October, November, March, best sports months of the year. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll drag a second TV out and. I had I had West Virginia Baylor on on TV wow. number two last night. So anyway, high scoring right, we affair, missing, right? We, yeah, we were missing we were missing baseball last night. So I was watching a high scoring, uh, you know, meaningless at least for me Big Twelve game. So hey, it was great. No tell, lack of touchdowns in that one. Tell that to Pat McAfee. Um, I said this earlier. Jordan Alvarez is to the Mariners what T. Y. Hilton is to the Houston Texans. Okay, I'll take your word. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. 
<laughs> two run homer last night off of our guy Luis Castillo. And I didn't then, watch that. I didn't watch that game. I didn't see it. So did you see the walk off he had the other night? Yes, I did see that part. Yeah. Gosh, and then last night, man, two one. Oh, he had another one. Oh yeah. Well, it wasn't a walk off, but in the sixth, they're up two one. Castillo's pitching great. Ninety eight mile per hour fastball. Boom, gone. Oh shoot. Oh man. Yeah. yeah, I got a little spot, soft spot for the Mariners with, with their Reds well, of connections. Course. Well, yeah, it's it's the Reds farm team, you know. I mean, that's that's what my dad texted me last night too. He's a big Reds fan as well, and that's primarily where I get it. But he's like, ah, oh, this just this just POs, man. <laughs> you know, all these all these Reds players are you know contributing. You got Castellanos with Philly and all the guys with the Mariners. They they, they should have they could have competed. They could have won that division had they you know spent some money and not overreacted to the pandemic, which they absolutely did. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tough pill to swallow considering all these guys are playing well and they're getting their postseason moments after not even sniffing the postseason in a Reds uniform and the fact that the franchise, the Reds franchise, is light years away from ever having those types of moments again. So it's yeah, try not to think about it. Yeah, salt meat wound on this Friday morning, no doubt. Real quick from Colts command or Bears Commanders, lots of Colts last night. Matt Eberflus, Alan Williams, Carson Wentz, Alkadine Muhammad, any former Colts. And last night game, last night's game that you missed the most, Matt Taylor, out of that group. Got about Alkadine Muhammad. He made a couple yeah, plays last night. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I mean, yeah, he was he was always a very very solid player. You know, I, I don't know if he was a if he's ever going to reach the status of a double digit sacks a season type of a guy, but he's definitely a guy that can come in and and play you know fifty percent of the snaps for you. So um, you know, good for him finding a new home in free agency with the Bears. Obviously, you know, knows the Matt Eberflus system very well. That was attractive to now the head coach in Chicago and in, in free agency to get a guy that he was. Uh, familiar with for four years here in Indianapolis. So, yeah, he's he was always a good guy to talk to. You know, he was always sort of like bottom line, just business-oriented, driven, yeah. focused, motivated. Lunch pail to work. No doubt. No doubt. He was a good dude. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm good to see – it's good to see him having some success in, in the same system but just in a different place. Last two Thursday night games, you needed to chase it with Pepto-Bismol for each of them with how bad <laughs> yeah. it's been. Or – Liquor, bottom shelf liquor. Now, that Probably. could be a. That could be a. Bad. I mean, that, I know everybody's like, oh, where that. I mean, Al Michael sounded like he was going to fall asleep in that game last night. He just sounded so bored, and like that game was those teams in that game was so beneath him. But I mean, it's football. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't. It I, is football, but we should I hold the NFL it. to a higher standard. Well, sure, but I mean, I didn't hate it the last two weeks as much as everybody else. I guess that's that's the point I'm trying to make. Al I mean, Michaels was still, falling. Al Michaels was falling asleep because he just ate a porterhouse earlier that I mean, there's day. There's only so many octaves you can go with the Chase McLaughlin field goal. Granted, the Stephon Gilmore pick was huge. No, it was. I mean, there was and, – and for everybody that's that's moaning and groaning, there were more points scored last week than there was, there was last night. Can you imagine taking that bet at the start of the night? Uh, voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, he's with us. Our coverage will begin 9 a.m. JMV um, from the Bullseye Event Center. Mate and Coach Venturi and Lara Overton, of course, on the call this Sunday with Jacksonville. Matt, I feel like in these matchups with Jacksonville, the starts of games have totally set the tone with what Trevor Lawrence has done on the opening drives. If I'm not mistaken, the Colts, I think they went three and out last year down there, and then this year Wentz had that pick on the opening – or Wentz. Matt Ryan had that pick on the opening drive after you had crossed midfield. And I think back to just the slow starts this year, I feel like the Colts have gotten the ball every single game and haven't done anything with it. Right. And that just puts you behind the eight ball. 
No, you're 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 right on it. They, the Colts have received the opening possession every single game this year, and they have failed to score on their opening drive of the game. I mean, the Colts have punted three times. Uh, three three and outs and then two turnovers they had an interception against Jacksonville in week two and actually had a promising drive working and then same thing against Tennessee that they were in plus territory I think and then suffered a fumble Um, so that those those are huge and you just look at just the, the general slow starts and then also too I did the math last night was geeking out a little bit I had some time but I did the math on total time played this year. So the Colts have played five games plus two overtimes. So that's 317 minutes of football. Okay, 317 minutes of football this year for the Colts. Of that time, they have led for 36 minutes of the 317 minutes. Wow, 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 wow. So hmm. you're talking about 11%. That's 11% of the games this year where the Colts have Oh, that's had Jake's algebra grade right now. See, I'm not as uh, dumb as I look. <laughs> I, and I did, I did the math like three times to make sure I got it right. But it, that, that's that's what the numbers tell you. So, you know, just I think every team can say this or could say this, but definitely the Colts. Think about how much uh, different of a team the Colts could be or would be if they played from, from the top on the scoreboard. I mean, your play calling on offense would be different. You would probably have more takeaways on defense because you would be able to change some things up schematically, get after the quarterback, you know, pin your ears back if you're up by two scores you know, in the third or fourth quarter, you would just be a completely different team from a dynamic standpoint if you could establish the lead in some of these games. And that's been, you know, to bring it home for our full circle in this game against Trevor Lawrence, you're exactly right. Him getting off the good starts against the Colts has been the bottom line for him in these last two games. I mean, 83% completion percentage, by far a career high for him back in week number two. And if, not, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think he completed his first seven passes uh, against the Colts, which gets him into a rhythm. He's a quick rhythm, timing quarterback. It establishes his confidence. It establishes, you know, what the game plan is that day against the Colts. So I think going forward in this game, get after him early, set the tone in the first quarter, don't let him settle in, and hopefully you can get the crowd behind you, the home field advantage behind you in this game, and establish the tone that you're just not going to settle in and be cool and comfortable like you were back in week two when seemingly everything came easy for him that day. Trevor Lawrence needs to drink whatever he's drinking before Colts games with every other game because he doesn't look very good otherwise unless he's playing the Colts. Uh, Matt Ryan will have Alec Pierce in week, uh, something he didn't have in their first matchup. Do you see Pierce's role starting to grow as there's more trust built with the offense and uh, Matt Ryan? Uh, Pierce has been awesome. He's got 15 catches mm-hmm. for 222 yards in the last three games. And he got off to a shaky start, as we all know, right? I mean, dropped a couple of passes, one in the end zone against Houston, and then didn't play in week two with a concussion. So him him being back, I think, is going to be just as big as getting Michael Pittman Jr. back in this game. He didn't play in week two either. So those two guys are really sort of the comfort and the stability in the passing game for Matt Ryan. So if the Colts can figure out the offensive line combination and protect better in this game, um, you're, you're going to have your two best playmakers on the outside available to you if you're Matt Ryan. So I'm really confident as far as the offense looking better in this game than they did about a month ago down in Jacksonville. Uh, but Pierce is proving to be more than just a one-trick pony where 
you know, they line him up on the outside and, and tell him to go down the far sideline and, and make a contested catch. He's making, you know, possession-type receptions, you know, crossing patterns, and he had three big receptions on that last drive of the game in regulation uh, to set up the Colts with a game-tying field goal in Denver. So I know he's a rookie and he's played in, you know, three games or four games, but he's he's really further along than that, and Matt Ryan has a lot of trust in him, and the Colts are going to need him big time coming up this weekend. He's the voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, joining Kevin and Query in 93.5 and 107.5, the fan on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Matt, you mentioned the offensive line. Are the struggles that we've seen with the offensive line, is that something you you see that can be cleaned up in season? Well, I mean, it hasn't been yet. And, you know, obviously they tried some new things uh, on a short week with no practice. I mean, they changed up 60% of their offensive line, uh, you know, in, in a, in a four-day span there uh, with, with Denver looming. And, you know, they still gave up six sacks. So they're trying to figure that out. And, um, you know, is it Braden Smith at tackle or is it guard? Is it Matt Pryor at tackle or, or is it guard? Or is it, you know, Will Fries or Danny Pinter at guard and, and stay with Ryan Kelly at center? I mean, everything is – you know, being examined right now, it's all hands on deck. I don't think there's any wrong answers considering the fact that, you know, you've allowed 21 sacks on the season, 11 sacks in the last two games. Um, everybody needs to be looked at, and, you know, everybody needs to look in the mirror because I think it's communication, it's one-on-one breakdowns, and it's just everybody not playing up to their potential and certainly, you know, the standards they set for themselves um, in years past. And, you know, I know this has been talked about, but it's it's primarily not not across the board, but primarily the same offensive line, um, you know, core wise that's been here since 2018. That's played together for a long time with Ryan Kelly and Quentin Nelson and, and Braden Smith. And you know, in 18 they led the NFL in fewest sacks allowed with 18. Well, they've already allowed more than that in five games. So they've got to get it cleaned up, and I'm not smart enough to have the answers. If I did, I'd give it to them. Um, they're still searching and. They will continue to search until they get it corrected on tape. And Frank Reich is exactly right this week. It's, you know, the the strip sacks and the fumbles by Matt Ryan and the pressures and the total sack numbers, those are going to continue to be there. And the, the way that the defense is getting them is going to continue to be prevalent until you shut it down on tape. Until then, it's piranha in the water, it's blood in the water, and we're going to keep going, you know, keep using those same tactics until you prove that you can stop this leaky faucet. Uh, and the Colts have done that in the past. I mean, everything that the Colts have seen so far that's given them trouble this year, they've been able to shut down in years past with this unit. Again, that those core players. But for whatever reason this year, um, teams are just able to get home, and they've got to get it corrected. That's the biggest issue going into this game. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, he's with us, and he'll be on the call this Sunday. Again, it'll be Jacksonville at Lucas Oil Stadium. The home home team in this matchup has won 10 straight. Mayte, kind of on that point, I feel like first and second down success has been really lacking for the Colts. They get behind the chains. I felt like they got behind the chains big time last Thursday in Denver. And that is kind of the blood in the water to me of, sure, you know, third and 10, third and 12, you'd like to, if you are taking a sack, you'd like to just hold on to the football. But it sets up more of those turnover type of opportunities. And I feel like if they had better success on first and second down, and maybe it's pass to run. Maybe it's not run to pass right. like they have been in years past. Maybe it's pass to run. Then all of a sudden you could be in better third down situations. And even if you don't convert all those, maybe you would just fall into more punts, which at this point would be baby steps in the right direction for this offense. 
No question about it. You're exactly right. I mean, the Colts are 24th in the NFL on third down conversion rate, 36%. But if you look at the numbers deeper than that, almost half, it's 47%. 47% of the third downs that the Colts have faced this year have been seven yards or longer in order to get a first down. Gosh, that's so huge. It's it's first and second down success or lack thereof. And so, yeah, I mean, again, you talk about the offensive line earlier. It's everything needs to be examined on first and second down. You know, you're getting behind the chains, and maybe that's, you know, forcing your hand in terms of play calling, and, and maybe you're having to throw your way back into the game. Everything is – it's sort of like the human body. Everything's connected, right? So if you're getting down early on the scoreboard, you kind of have to change up your game plan. And maybe you don't run the ball as much as you want to or, or you think you need to. Now you have to – throw the ball to get back into the game and you throw an incomplete pass on first down then you run the ball on second down all of a sudden it's third and seven it's third and eight and so all of these things are starting to add up and honestly you know the third downs are leading to turnovers as well you know you're getting into third and seven third and eight and longer and then you're throwing a pick or then you're getting sacked in the pocket and then you're losing a fumble you know all of these things sort of correlate together and you're exactly right you know i it's going to sound crazy, but you could live, honestly, you could live with the Colts scoring 13.8 points per game and the 21 sacks if you just don't turn it over. The turnovers are killing this team, especially considering how good the defense has been. You know, the defense is giving up only 18 points per game, which is 10th best in the NFL, but 46 points the Colts have allowed this year off of turnovers is by far and away the most in the NFL. So if you just, if you just, cut down the turnovers and make teams drive the length of the field and not give them short fields following an offensive turnover by the Colts, they're going to be in better situations. To your point, even if these drives end in punts instead of lost fumbles or interceptions, that's way better than turning the football over. So the, the defense is certainly you know, carrying the Colts right now keeping them in games, allowing these fourth-quarter comebacks to happen. Uh, but, yeah, first and second down efficiency, that's got to be looked at. And then just holding on to the ball and not turning the ball over for the Colts, that's been the killer. And I think if the Colts don't have nearly as many turnovers as they do, I mean, right now they sit with 11 turnovers, which is 30th in the league. If they don't have nearly as many turnovers, they might have – one more win. Heck, they might even have two more wins, and that's considering. That that also factors in the 13.8 and the 21 sacks. If you just knock off the turnovers, you might be 4-1 and one or 3-2. and two. I believe Matt Taylor said the human body's connected. Mark, I thought he was going to break out in a head, shoulders, <laughs> knees, and toes, knees, and toes. Only if Jake's here. Head, he shoulders, knees, and toes. No, maybe. Well, see, when your back hurts, it's because your feet hurt, right? Everything's connected. Your shoulder hurt, yeah, your ribs hurt. Everything's connected. Look at that. Voice of the Colts and part-time athletic trainer, Matt Taylor. <laughs> it's kinesiology 101. Right. Exactly. I don't know. It sounded like 201 or 301 there. <laughs> Matt, uh, Bernard Ryman looks to be the left tackle going forward. Will he be the last left tackle that they try at the position this season? Uh, boy, I, I can't answer that, but I know they want him to be. You know, they want him to be the, the left tackle of the future. And, you know, they they went through some growing pains there, certainly last uh, Thursday in Denver. You know, he had uh, three holding penalties, which I think is the most holding penalties by one offensive lineman 
in the NFL in a game this year. Now, some of them were ticky-tack, but you know that's what you're going to have to live with when you've had so much instability along the offensive line, and you're trying to grow somebody and groom somebody to be that long-term. So growing pains and baptism by fire, and I think he'll be significantly better this week. I mean, that was a tall order. No practice last week, plus he's coming off an injury. You know, He banged up his ankle going into that Kansas City game and you're trying to slow down Bradley Chubb off the edge. That's that's difficult. Now, obviously, Jacksonville's got some guys that are in that category as well, right? They've got Trayvon Walker and, and Josh Allen. So, you know, this is the NFL. You're going to have a stiff test every week. But I think he's going to be considerably better this week than he was last week, considering he's got a full week of practice, another week removed from that injury. And so hopefully they get some better results just across the board. But certainly at that really imperative position at left tackle. Yeah, I feel like you just got to let him let him develop. He's going to make mistakes. That's what a rookie's going to do. Just let him develop, get some get some reps under him, and just roll with it. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. So now, now what do you do with Matt Pryor, right? I mean, is he a guard or is he a tackle? And is he one of your five best offensive linemen in that equation going forward? Everything's on the table. And obviously, I don't think we're going to get a flat-out definitive answer today from Frank Reich, nor, nor should we. You know, trying to keep some things close to the vest, but maybe warm ups for that first series against Jacksonville, that's that's when we're gonna get our answer. Yeah, I would move prior to guard, but I'm not necessarily thinking that that's hundred percent what they're gonna do with Braden Smith. I would keep Braden Smith at right tackle, but again, right. we'll have to see. Um okay, Mate, we'll end with this one. These next two weeks, I, I cannot I mean it's obvious, but you cannot stress enough, I think, how important these are. I almost look at it like if you go two and oh, your chance of making the playoffs and in this divisional drought is like 70%, you know, maybe even higher. You go 1 and 1, now you're talking maybe a coin flip. You go 0 and 2, and all of a sudden you need to pray the rosary every minute of the day the rest of the year to get back into the playoff picture. Um, can you kind of put into words and I, I know it's difficult just how important these next 2 weeks are. Well, you got one at home and then the other one is a place where you've had relatively good success in the past. Now, you know, the last last year didn't go your way down in Nashville and it's a difficult place to play against a really good team. Plus Tennessee's on the bye, right? So they're gonna be rested and they've got two full weeks to get ready for the Colts to make some tweaks and changes on their end. Uh, heading into a really important division game for them as well, right? I mean, they're they're the champs until somebody knocks them off. But, no, you're exactly right. I mean, the most wins the Colts can get in the division is three, and I, I don't even know if that's going to be enough. I mean, we'll we'll have to wait and see how this all transpires towards the end of the season. But, you know, the, the best you can do is three, two, and one in the AFC South. And so you're going to need some things to break your way. But the bottom line is you just got to start taking care of business. You got to start handling the things that you can control and start getting some wins. Because what is it, Kevin, four straight winless games against the AFC South right. here for the Colts? Yeah, and again, down so, by three scores in each of those four. Right, so if they lose coming up on Sunday, knock on wood. But if, if should they lose, it'll be the longest drought or winless drought for the Colts. Um, five straight games where they will come up short or not win when you factor in the tie. Um, that that would be the longest uh, drought since the AFC South was formed for the Colts back in 2002. So, again, I'm not sure if three wins inside the division is going to be enough, but you just can't keep lowering that margin for error you got to start taking care of business knowing that you know the schedule starts to heat up with non-AFC South games you know past Halloween with you know Las Vegas on the schedule Philly's really good Dallas is really good Minnesota looks to be pretty good the Chargers the Giants are you know they only have one loss so far so 
you know, you just can't keep, you know, riding this this razor thin line of of uh, you know pl- trying to play mistake free football. Um, you're only going to get one AFC South game in the last ten, and that doesn't come until Week 18 against the Houston Texans. So, yeah, I mean, it's not hyperbole. These next two games are absolutely monster games for the Colts in deciding if they're going to be an AFC South champion and if they're going to be in the thick of it uh, for a wild card spot in the parity filled conference that is the AFC here. Yeah, obviously things can and will change until December, but I don't think a lot of people thought, including me, when the schedule came out in May, you'd be looking at Dallas at 4-1, and one, Minnesota at 4-1, and one, and the Giants at 4-1, and one, and those are all teams the Colts will see after Thanksgiving this year. Matt Taylor, enjoy a little baseball if you can. Sneak it in this weekend, and uh, we'll see you Sunday up in the press box. You got it, pal. Yeah, two TV day. Let's go, brother. Let's do it. Matt Taylor right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Again, Mark, that back half there. Particularly, I think, Minnesota and the Giants. Mm -hmm. You know, those are a couple games. I think everybody thought the Chargers would be in the mix. But, you know, starting with the Monday after Thanksgiving, I think that's when you got the Steelers. Obviously, they don't look like they're going to be in the mix. Uh, But then the The Cowboys, that bye week. Could be a Steelers team with T.J. Watt back. Yeah, but still. Yeah. And then you've got your Super Bowl pick, the Raiders. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Much need to buy. But the Eagles, that's going to be a tough one. The Cowboys, Dak, I don't know who they're going at quarterback at that point, but the Cowboys are looking good. So they, you've got some some tough, tough games coming up for the Colts. You need to start stacking some wins. i got the pop quiz coming up in about five minutes, and then we'll give our Friday picks. I did want to note something on the offensive line. Again, Bernard Ryman, Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly. It sounds like that's going to be the left side and center, uh, assuming Kelly maintains the health. Uh, he did practice yesterday limited. You know, the right side, Mark, I, part of me thinks they might be running it back with what we saw on Thursday night, and that would be Braden Smith, the right guard, and Matt Pryor, right tackle. I'd probably flip the two. Yeah, and I would maybe even think about Will Fries at right guard. You know, Joe Wright's mentioned that with us a little bit earlier. Um, but you think back to that week two game with Jacksonville. Individually, they roasted you. The other area that they really beat you up up front, I felt like it was a lot of stunts and kind of miscommunication. If you remember, that was kind of the early issue. It was, mm-hmm. boy, you just can't handle the stunts and the twists and all of that. That'll be something to continue to watch because if you do continue to change the O line, communication becomes front and center as yeah. well. And you're all about chemistry and cohesion. I just feel like Matt, right now Matt Pryor is a offensive lineman without a position at the moment. They don't know what they've got in them. They don't know where to line them up. And I feel like that's a dangerous it, game it, to be it playing. It cannot be tackle. I, no. You, you can't do tackle. If you do tackle, uh, Sam Ellinger and Nick Foles need to start warming up. I I'm still, are they going to dress Ellinger? I, that's something I'm still watching for. I don't know. That'll be interesting. Because, yeah, if Matt Ryan gets laid out or something, are you really going to the well with Foles? It's not going to get you very far. Trust me, it's not going to. All right, the pop quiz is coming up again. We had a five for five earlier in the week. Scotty has literally done his Dikembe Mutombo the last couple of days of the pop quiz. We'll see how things round out today. It is a freebie Friday, so Jiffy Lube oil change um, will be going to anyone that gets on air with us here. And a few, let's hit a morning check down here on the fan. The morning check down. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. All right, looking at baseball. Yesterday, only one game because the Guardians and Yankees got postponed. They'll play later today. 
But the Astros took care of uh, Kevin's Seattle Mariners. 4-2, to two, Jordan Alvarez continues to dominate Seattle Mariners. They're just going to have night terrors this entire offseason of Jordan Alvarez just going deep on them all day. So that was the only game. Astros take a 2 nothing lead in that one today. A triple header of games that get started with the Guardians and Yankees making up their postponed game from last night. That uh, pitches at 107. Then following that is the Braves at the Phillies at 437. The series is tied there at 1-1. Also tied 1-1 is the Dodgers and Padres series. That has a first pitch of 837. You get best of five best here of five. in the divisional Kevin's hoping, hoping for a rally here. Uh, Jordan Alvarez, maybe a, some stake in Pike's, Pike's place. Is it, isn't that right? Yeah. Is that right mm-hmm. in the Seattle area? I think at this point you're just hoping that they hold up the four fingers, like to send them to send them first. Yeah, literally. Yeah, but then Bregman's behind him, and we watch what Bregman did do in game one. All right, uh, looking at tonight to the Pacers. Preseason action, their second home game, the final preseason game. Here in 2022, our coverage begins at 6.30. So Colts happy hour at 5.30 tonight. Pacers and Rockets on our airwaves at 6.30. Indiana Sports Talk at 10 o'clock. For the Pacers, I think it will probably have a little bit less of a dress rehearsal feel than Wednesday night. We'll see if Tyrese Halliburton plays. He had the sore back on Wednesday. Um, Some roster moves to make over the weekend. And then they will get their regular season started next week with the Washington Wizards on Wednesday night. Uh, Thursday night football week six has got uh, kicked off with a with a uh, with a banger as they stay. No boy, the kids don't call it that. No. Oh yeah, that's right. Like it was the Commanders and the Bears. The wall? Like was the Gus banging his head against the, the banger wall? was yeah. Bears fans collectively smacking their head into the ground. Uh, Commanders topped the Bears twelve to seven. They got gifted a touchdown after Valus Jones botches a punt return. That was awful. Uh, yeah, Carson Wentz couldn't do much of anything. He only had 99 yards passing. Bears gifted him that win. Uh, hopefully the stink of Thursday night football uh, changes heading into week seven. I think we got Saints, Cardinals on Thursday night. We should see quite a few touchdowns in that one. Of course, we've got Jaguars and Colts on Sunday and another full slate of games. Uh, the bye weeks are starting, so we get, we're getting yeah, some teams off. A handful of teams at the bye, right? Uh, Lions, Texans, Raiders, Titans. That's a... Uh, those are teams that could use a bye week, I think. I need a point. quarterback in one of my fantasy leagues this week. Yeah, I think that's in our league, and I saw your your rolling solo at the moment with with not a single quarterback in there. Is, like, I think I might have picked up Zach Wilson. I I don't no, know, maybe one I for mean, the moms out there this week. Yeah, that, I mean that's that's what you're doing at that point. I, if you're going to Zach, are we? Is it is our depth at quarterback really that I, depleted that you're going to Zach Wilson as your best option? I don't know. I mean, take a look at the free agency and I, uh, I'll tell, have to look me, at tell the me break. if I'm missing something here. Uh, I, uh, I, I play Jake, by the way, so oh, well, I, you should team up with me this week. I beat him last week, so it's the pressure's on you, KB. Uh, <laughs> other highlights for week six, uh, I guess you got Vikings, Dolphins. That's an all right one. Uh, boy, there's not much. The Cowboys Bills, Eagles. Chiefs is easily the highlight. Yeah. Cowboys, Cowboys, Eagles on Eagles, Sunday night. Eh, Monday night's all right. Chargers, Broncos. I don't. The Broncos stink, though. The Broncos absolutely stink. So Russell Wilson is health-wise in the Chargers. Obviously a big one there in the AFC West. All right, it is time for the Pop Quiz, 317-239-1070. We'll look for the second five for fiver this week, and we'll close out the show with giving our Sunday picks. Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan. Yo, Pop Quiz time, and Scotty walked into the studio. Mark, I've never seen him with a bigger smile on his face and i would 
care to venture the reason for that is because he knows without Jake, the integrity of the pop quiz has never been held to a higher standard than what it will about to be held to. No, this question five is a big double bird to me. I I don't appreciate that one at all, so I might give some hints here just in spite of that question five. There's a reason I haven't brought that up yet in the show. I I just, I don't know, I keep marking a good mood. You got a big road trip coming up. Yeah, I don't want to think about that. That's 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 not a good sports memory for me. I would assume hence would be at a minimum today. Well, Maybe. we'll we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. I and then I I got remembered that Carson Wentz was rocking a black fedora and camo uh, jacket in his post game press conference. I'm like, you lost to that guy. Yeah, he looked ridiculous. You couldn't crack a hundred yards, and he's rocking a camo jacket and a black fedora. What in the blue hell? I'm not a, I'm not a fashion connoisseur. That seems like that you need to go to the penalty box for that. What in the blue hell there from Mark Dykeden? Uh How about a number one through eight as we get to this freebie Friday on the pop quiz? Uh, let's go. Caller five. Five. The points the Bears scored last night. Oh, just what? I guess just a little bit over that. Uh, who we got? Sam Fritz. Five is Eric. Eric. Good morning, Eric. Morning. How you doing, man? I can't complain. Eric, what's what on the what's on the weekend agenda? You know, I got three kids, so nothing. Well, there we go. I'm right I there would, with you, man. Would, we got soccer games. We got a pumpkin patch. We got anything? Apple orchard in your future? Some golden delicious. I've already checked those off. There you go. Yeah, well, you got the fall bingo card filled out there. Um, we had a five for five earlier in the week. Eric, was there any um, self motivation to accomplish the? First ever two five for fives in one week. Oh yeah, I'm motivated. Well, he's got three kids. Boys. He's got drama running. He's that oil change. Seems fired up on this Friday morning. Uh, Mark, you want to throw number one towards Eric? Sure, Eric. You have my thoughts and prayers with the three kids. I'm right there with you. IU hosts Maryland tomorrow. Who holds holds the lead in the all time series? IU. Number two, there are currently three former Maryland Terrapins on the Colts roster. Name one of the three. Definitely had one of these on the show, Mark. Mm-hmm. Another one wants to come on right, the show. Right, uh-huh. <laughs> one is a rookie and one was a... Uh... One has lost his starting job already this season. Yeah. Kelly, Dennis Kelly. Hmm. Mm-hmm. No. Um, he's made a couple pit stops in his NFL career already. Yeah. And he landed in the Colts, if that helps at all. You know, I think for the rest of the quiz, you might be doing the sign of the. Yeah. Defeat. Mm-hmm. Sign of defeat. Uh, <laughs> any guesses here, Eric? No, I got nothing. Dennis Kelly, that's the guess. That's my guess. All right. On Wednesday, the Braves closer Kenley Jansen earned his 20th career postseason save. Good for second place on the all-time list. Mariano Rivera is number one. How many postseason saves did Rivera have? Did Rivera record during his Hall of Fame career? And there is a hint here from Scotty. Says Rivera number of postseason saves is the same as his uniform number. Does that help 42. at all? Oh, okay. uh, I was, Kenley Jansen. Can he play left tackle for the Colts? Every time he runs out there, I always think he can play. The NFL. All right, number four, Eric. 50 years ago today, this player became the first in Major League history to hit home runs in his first two career World Series at-bats. Joe Morgan, Reggie Jackson, Hal McRae, or Gene Tennis? 
Who were you going with there? I was going to say Andrew Jones. Oh, 50 years ago today. Oh, 50 years today, okay. Yep. Joe Morgan, Reggie Jackson, Hal McRae, or Gene Tennis? The only one I know, Reggie Jackson. Okay. I'm subtly seeing... I'm, Mark, read this with some emotions. I'm some seeing what Kevin did here, here when he's like, I'll take question one. Because yeah, he knew uh-huh. I get questions one, three, and five. And question five, again, double birds kicking the you-know-what for me from Scotty. Uh, today marks the 19th anniversary, yay, of the Steve Bartman play. With the Cubs leading the... still dress up as Bartman for Halloween. Oh, God, I hope not. With the Cubs leading the Florida Marlins 3-0 in the eighth inning of Game 6 of the National League Championship Series, Luis Castillo's foul ball down the left field line... You're, like, making relive this all over again. Luis Castillo's foul ball down the left field line evaded the glove of Cubs outfielder Moises Alou when fan Steve Bartman reached the ball and deflected it out of Alou's grasp. The Cubs then melted down. Of course they did, giving up eight runs in the inning to lose Game 6 and going on to lose Game 7 the following night. After all that, thanks, Scotty, for the memory lane. Who was the Cubs pitcher during the Bartman play? Was it A, Carlos Zambrano, B, Mark Pryor, C, Kyle Farnsworth, or D, Antonio Alfonseca? Towards the end of the game, so I would say Farnsworth. No, who's, who, who was the starting the, the pitcher during the Bartman play itself? So, yeah, you're saying Farnsworth is your guess? Yeah. Okay. Boy, if it was Carlos Zambrano, I think he would have ran to the stands and picked up Bartman and just thrown him on wave. Well, I feel one. like Moises Alou kind of replicated Carlos Zambrano. Yeah, Zambrano a little bit more intimidating than Mr. P on my bat, Alou. Or it was a P on his hands. P on his hands. Yeah. 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 Put the hands on the bat. Uh, Callus is the, the hands. Okay. Now, 3 nothing lead, it should be noted there. You know, at that point, the starting pitcher could be still in the game mm-hmm. with pitching as mm-hmm. effectively mm-hmm. as yep. he was. All right, let's see how Eric did on this freebie Friday. No matter what happens, Eric, stay on the line. IU hosts Maryland in football tomorrow. Shockingly, uh, it's the Hoosiers that lead the all-time series. I'm still getting over question five. Well, I I was disappointed in two. Yeah, uh, there's yeah. currently three former Maryland Terrapins on the Colts roster. Name one of the three. He Byron said, Cowart would have been very difficult to get. That's that, one of them. That was the hardest one, yeah. He Dennis said, Kelly mm-hmm. was the guess. I was going with the, you might need to do the sign of the... Cross for Nick Cross. Yeah. The or Yannick Ngakwe, I was giving the hints that he's had a couple stops. Uh, the right. Vikings, the Raiders. Neither of those resonated, so that is the end. Sorry, Eric. Stay on the line. Uh, he was correct about question three, though. Uh, Mariano Rivera is number 42. 50 years ago, it was Gene Tennis. Uh, A's beat the Reds 3-2 to two at Riverfront Stadium uh, to become the home run not Reggie Jackson. Not Reggie Jackson. And then it was Mark Pryor, yeah, who was on the towel drill guy, who was uh, on the hook for the meltdown that was the Cubs and the Steve Bartman game. I can't believe it's been 19 years already. I remember that game like it was yesterday. You know, I say this with all sincerity. It, I, I'm reminded that it was eight runs in that inning. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't who was the shortstop that booted the ground balls that could have gotten uh, Alex Gonzalez? Yeah. It should have been a, a for sure uh, double play, and he kicked it around, and it was just oh, it was awful. Yeah, I just remember nine. I cried. I think I was nine, was nineteen years ago. I definitely think tears shed because like, this mm-hmm. is it. Right. I know it's only game six. Yep. They're not, and they came out and they just went right down their leg and crying. I was not twenty eight. How old do you think I am? Well, There's, 
I, I'm just picturing Jake, who's like, yeah, well, you were born in 1983, right? I'm like, no, oh, yeah, we've Jake, been over this. Yeah, Jake thinks we're all, like, pushing 13 40. times. Yeah, Game 7, I was like, there's no way. And then, sure enough, they just they didn't even show up in Did Game 7. Did you guys watch the Yankees game the other night when Josh Donaldson hit it off the top of the wall? Yeah. You know, that was almost kind of a Bartman moment mm-hmm. there. Now, that would have been for a home run. And the guy in right field just didn't catch it. If he catches that, that's a home run, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was literally off the top of the wall in, in Yankee Stadium. I assume this is throughout their entire outfield. They don't have, like, the line. You know, some of these stadiums, you have the line at the top. There was no line there, and Donaldson kind of, I mean, frankly, kind of half-assed it down the first base line, and then he rounds first to get to second. Um, they actually picked him off at first on that play. And going back so. to Steve Bartman, I, nine other people's hands went up there. He was the unfortunate guy that the, hand, the ball hit. He got wrongly right. crucified. I mean, it's just been, and you know what? I don't think he's been seen yet. They say he's been to a game. I'm like, you I can don't show think, yourself now. It's all good. I don't think the outfit helped him. No, the green turtleneck, the yeah, head, a tough the, look. the 1980 headphones. And you know what? We support the radio industry, so thank you very much, Steve, for doing that. Mm-hmm. And Appreciate it. Wherever you're at these days. Three. All right, we'll give our picks um, some Friday locks. I've got a couple of NFL ones that I really like for this weekend. The Colts minus two. If you missed Joe Wright's pick, we'll share that again. And we'll give our here to round out the show. Kevin Aquari with Mark Dykin filling in today for Jake on a really nice start to this Friday morning here in Indy. You are listening to Kevin and Quarry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. All right, we're going to give out our picks here to close things out, but I do need some fantasy football advice. Derek Carr, I'm playing Jake this week, all right? Derek Carr and Jared Goff, stupid me. This is why I'm a terrible fantasy football player. Uh, I draft two quarterbacks that both have bye weeks, the same. So I'm scrambling. I'm on the waiver wire. I decided to go with Zach Wilson. Mark, rightfully so, questioning my decision. These are the quarterbacks available in our league right now. Russell Wilson, Daniel Jones, Skylar Thompson, Mac Jones, Jacoby Brissett, Jameis Winston, Matt Ryan, Cooper Rush, P.J. Walker, Kenny Pickett. I mean, my vote is Jameis Winston. I feel like he's... Isn't he hurt, though? But, I mean, look at your options. Your options aren't good. At least Jameis Winston, like, he can sling the ball. He might throw five picks. He didn't play last week, back and ankle injury, and I think the Bengals' defense is actually decent. And you don't want to risk Russell Wilson because you said he's playing on Monday and he could be out. Right, right. Daniel Jones is projected to get 18 points against the Ravens. That surprises me. I mean, sure, not from passing, probably rushing for touchdowns, I guess. Zach Wilson at Green Bay. That's what I'm going with. Gosh, that's a humbling starting quarterback for me. And Jake's got Josh Allen, no big deal. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would really like to beat him. Yeah, I mean, I'm I beat him last week. Not to brag, but I mean, I took care of business. It's kind of on you now, Kev. Mm, okay, good, good humility from Mark here. To <laughs> that chair is really fitting you well here I'm, to end this. I feel a change approaching. Oh, I, I stand corrected. No, um, Josh Allen. It's uh, Trevor Lawrence for there you Jake. Go. So he's starting the Colts' enemy. Wow, what a jerk! All right, it's time to give that, out our picks. That's kind of wild, though. Chiefs defense is nothing right home about. Chiefs. If he's got Josh Allen. Oh, he he does not have Josh Allen. I I I was wrong on that. Oh. Uh, he has Aaron Rodgers. Oh, okay. 
But even still, he has Aaron Rodgers and Trevor Lawrence. And he's Aaron Rodgers Trevor against Lawrence the Giants defense over then. Aaron Rodgers, which I don't know if I agree with. Yeah, it's weird. He might have a chance. People are saying Daniel Jones. All right, I might. Um, okay, it's time to give out our picks, and as we do every Friday, we'll end with the Colts selection, uh, but we'll also go with any locks that you like. I do also want to give our Bills Chiefs thoughts because I do think that's kind of the regular season game of the year i'll begin here uh locally college wise i have not done this in recent weeks but i'm gonna reverse it i will take iu to cover and i will take purdue's opponent to cover i've rode purdue for the last couple of weeks and it's worked out very well for me i picked against iu the last couple of weeks um and it's worked out well i had to tease a little bit with the michigan game but i just think iu's got a couple cover at home 11 or whatever it is with Maryland, and I think Nebraska covers 13 and a half. I still think Purdue wins, but I think Nebraska covers that. Uh, I've got the exact same right there for me. Do you have any other college picks on your end? That was really it for me college-wise. Sam, was your lock a little bit more NFL or college? No, I got college, and uh, this one's surprising to me. Uh, Kansas Jayhawks are the underdogs away at Oklahoma. Starting quarterback is hurt. Yeah, I'm still not seeing okay. that as being that big. Uh, they're being offered plus nine on my end. Boy, that's a big line. And I think that's worth taking. Honestly, even with a hurt starting quarterback, the, there's that popular phrase out there that the best thing that can happen to an undefeated team is their first loss. And after suffering a close loss to TCU last week, I think you have a fired-up Jayhawks team playing a not-great Sooners. Uh, I'll take them plus nine, no problem. The only other college game I have, uh, Oklahoma State, is four-point underdogs to TCU. I will take Oklahoma State. The Tennessee-Alabama game, if that line gets to 7.5, Tennessee is an underdog at home. The Bryce Young injury, I think I'm on the Vols. Mm. I think that'll be rocking Neyland Stadium. I get it. Alabama goes in those environments and win, but still, 7.5 to me, that's a lot for a home team. Okay, my NFL locks. Um, I've got two that I like. I am going with the Browns, the Jacoby Brissett Browns, to cover 2.5 at home against the Patriots, and the Cincinnati Bengals to cover 1.5 at the Saints. So I'm going with both Ohio teams to cover. Okay. Okay. Uh, I've got the Saints. The last I checked, it was still the the Bengals are two and a half point favorites there. I'm going to roll with the Saints, though. I feel like something really? goes on. You are all about Jameis. Something goes on in the uh, in the Superdome over there. I feel like the, something's going to be weird. The Bengals have been hit and miss, I feel like, on a weekly basis. And I like the Saints' defense. I will take the Saints to cover the two and a half against the Bengals. Also, the team I've been riding with all season, you laughed at me when I made this pick a week or two ago. The P- Falcons are a perfect 5-0 and against the spread this season. I've got really? them covering in their game. Give me the Falcons. Who they got? Who do they have? I don't even remember. <laughs> Gosh, now you really sound like Jake. Yeah, I, I had it in front of me, and I, oh, they got the 49ers. Yeah. 49ers. Uh, I'm telling you. I will roll with again. They're at home in Atlanta. I'll be passing by there. Might stop at Magic City. Try the lemon pepper wings. Oh, I got fam- f- pa- famous. So I'm gonna try those. I got a buddy who lives just north of Atlanta. I my my wife says now you're just you're just. By the way, happy birthday to Ashley. By the way, it's her birthday today. Oh, you guys stopping at the? Um... Well, I told her I said I'd like to stop at Magic City, and she gave me a look. <laughs> and she's like, "You're just getting wings, right?" I'm like, "Well, I mean, I can't help with the eyes, yeah. see." But mm-hmm. yeah, I would like to just get the wings. The um, Lou Williams recommendation. Yeah, yeah. So happy birthday, Ashley. I love you. We'll, we'll have a fun road trip and everything like that. Uh, Falcons at home against the 49ers. Give me the Falcons plus five and a half. Sam Fritz. Uh, Dallas is going to be at the link taking on undefeated Eagles. Uh, living in Philly for two years, I know what happens when Dallas makes the trip out to Philly. I got Eagles at minus six and a half. I think that's no problem. 
even more of a lock than that to me is Monday Night Football, though. Chargers-Broncos, they're currently offering Chargers minus four and a half. I don't, I, against this year's Broncos team, yeah. I don't see how you don't take that. Yeah, that's a that good is one. an interesting line, especially with Wilson's injury situation. All right, let's go in reverse order. Sam, the Colts and the Jags. And, again, Joe Wrights was with us earlier. Joe Wrights went with the Colts by a touchdown plus with Jacksonville. Jake said 20-16 to 16 Colts. Sam Fritz? I am prepared to get a bunch of I told you so's for this. I will be producing the post game, so callers, feel free to throw me under the bus. But I'm, I'm going to take the Jaguars. I think Jags, let's just say by a touchdown. I really don't have any. You know, I would just take the money line on this one. Mm. Okay. I've got it being a bit You want to give out your Twitter handle so people can <laughs> rip it? I don't have any social media. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, I've got the Colts edging out the Jaguars 17-13. to 13. You know, I uh, do a Colts podcast, Kevin's Corner, and earlier this week I literally predicted 20-16. to 16, And when Jake said it, I'm like, did he, did he get that from the podcast? I'll, I'll tack a field goal on to my original score. I'll go 23-19. Again, I think Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce being available. we got a 23-19. Will be the difference. And again, I cannot get over Jacksonville. 13 straight road losses within the AFC South. Mark Dykton, I appreciated it. Sam Fritz, thank fun. you. Mark, enjoy the vacation. We'll recap it all on Monday with you here. Kevin Aquarius.